All righty, folks. Welcome back to another Out of the Rough Golf podcast. We got a good one for you guys this episode. Um, we're going to start by, uh, you know, just recapping what happened at the PGA Championship. Brooks Kepka with uh, his fifth major and his third PGA Championship. The first live player to to uh, get it done at a major championship. What all that means, what all that might that entail. And uh, we also had our annual slash biannual Ranger Cup, which our last podcast, we did the Ranger Cup draft and talked a little bit about that and whatnot. So we'll be we covering did a both. We preview before. Oh, true. Well, we did a draft for the Ranger Cup in one of the last episodes. <laughs> Either way, um, we're going to wrap that or, you know, kind of go into detail about how that went. I know we were all pumped about that. And uh, yeah, we can get this thing going. Any uh, any leading thoughts on the PGA Championship out of either of you fellas? Uh, I really feel like the main storyline more than anything right now is is yeah is that winner that man staying at the top of the uh, the the hill. Um, what a what a decisive victory from a Brooks of old. Um, obviously, we saw hints of it at the Masters. I think we were all relatively concerned about. Brooks at the Masters, but after the, uh, you know, collapse on Sunday and him doing the same collapse at Kiowa and at other venues, uh, we maybe thought there was something wrong and maybe something else was going to be lingering around. And he uh, he came back confident. He came back confident and said, like, it's not happening again. I know I did wrong and I'm getting it done. And he did. Huge props to a man that can stand up and say that and back it up. I mean, he even went and who who knows how in jest this comment was, but I know at the beginning of the week he made the comment. Uh, someone asked him about the Ryder Cup and being on the Ryder Cup, and he's like, "Well, it'd be hard to not let me on the Ryder Cup if I go t second, win, win, win in the majors." And it's like, "Well, fuck." I mean, he <laughs> he has started it off how what he said, and I mean, wouldn't that be some shit if he got the open and the freaking or both the opens? Uh, I think it'd be hard to argue with just even this, like he got runner up at the masters and he won the PGA of America's major, the people that run the U S side of the Ryder cup. I mean, like if he's liked in the locker room and the Ryder cup players are on board with it, I don't see much reason for Zach Johnson or the PGA of America to be like, no Brooks, you can't be there. I think clearly uh, if those two finishes and those majors are enough on just Ryder Cup points to get him in the top six, that he will be on the team. I have no doubt there. It's not enough for the top six, but yeah, it but would be close enough to be within reason for the, the captain's picks. Yeah, well, uh, what what I'm saying is if the if those get him close and then he does okay, like Brooks-esque in the other majors, it could easily get him in the top six number. Either way, um, I think his biggest hurdle as far as that goes is uh, Zach Johnson. I mean, he's been outspoken about Liv and the PGA Tour. I just I I feel like he might be a guy that uh, if he's not in on points that he may just look the other way and be like, oh, maybe we should just go with some younger guns from the PGA Tour, like a Cam Young or a Sahith type character. Um, And I don't think, you know, the American team is going to be so kind of stacked talent wise regardless i mean look at the president's cup team that he i could see him justifying not taking brooks but uh yeah goes, this doesn't need to be you know necessarily a Ryder cup pod i but know I, I i know 
No, but yeah. I meant to say, like, not to spend much more time on this particularly. I, I just think Zach Johnson's going to do what, like, the team probably feels like he should do. Like, he feels like a kind of guy who, who will kind of lead by committee to a degree. I don't see him being, like, an authoritarian leader in any way. So I think if the guys were like, no, Brooks has been playing an incredible golf and, like, we don't have any bad beef with Brooks, like, it'd be great for him to be there. And honestly, from what I've heard, like, Marco Simone actually is going to play very similarly in terms of placement golf and deep rough and, like, hacking out as this this venue kind of did maybe not quite as um you know what i would call penal off the t in terms of length that you'll need i I guess penal is not the right word but demanding in terms of length off the t but he may be a good fit for it uh, given how he's playing right now so i don't know i i would say right now it's at least 50 50 that he'll be on that team yeah i think that's a fair assessment i think uh what this week told us if nothing else was that like Brooks was really, really seriously injured the last few years. Um, and it's been incredible to watch him come back. I, I, that's what it looks like to me because his game he, looks so back in control. Um, he was also able to rattle off uh, waste management when while he was injured. Yeah, right. this whole like he was injured thing. Like, I don't doubt that like he had injuries and like that he was working on stuff and dealing with things. But it clearly wasn't enough to stop him from being in contention at some of these tournaments. And I don't know if it was depreciating enough where he was at like 60% of himself. I would say the year where he was like using that weird leg thing at the Masters, like, yeah, he was probably not, you know, viable to compete in that particular case. And him missing the cut was probably like, you know, realistic given his physical ailments. But I think in reality is that like he had enough game, he had enough kind of physical capability to, you know, runner up or get that solo third or whatever at Kiowa, him being at, at contention at other majors and just not getting it done. I, I truly think there was a part where he was probably dealing with some nagging stuff, but also like his mental, his game just was kind of falling off. I mean, how much is injury stopping him from being one of the worst putters in the in the PGA Tour? That's what he was talking about in full swing, that he was one of the worst putters in the PGA Tour. Right, and I'm sure it's definitely a combination of the two, and I'm sure it's really, really hard to have the confidence you need when you don't have that full confidence in what your body can do, right? Like he's obviously so driven by being a super confident, dominant player. And when you're not even super sure that your knee's going to make it through the round, then everything else probably starts to bobble. So it was really, I'm not a huge Brooks fan, but it was cool to see him back in full force like the brooks of old it's it's always good to see brooks in contention at the majors he adds that element and that you know just his game when it's on it's really good and he's always in the mix and he's definitely good to have in the in in the major fields and i'm i am happy in that regard that he has another five years at the majors you know that ten-year exemption from the U.S. Open, and he's going to be around for a while in the majors. And I think that's all he really cares about. And he clearly has the ability to rattle some more off. Um, he he also had mentioned, and I don't know how much valid, val, validity you want to put into it, but uh, that his knee—they hadn't gotten the swelling gone since like six months ago. That 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 recent, like the the knee was still swollen. He apparently told his like medical team or, you know, physical therapist or whoever it may be that like, you know, 
if we can't get this done, like if we can't get this swelling gone, like I, you know, I'm firing all of you, like, and I'm getting a whole right. new thing, and they they got it gone. Um, and those are just kind of what he said. And like I said, you can take that with a grain of salt if you want. But so uh, you know, it sounds like it, the swelling finally went away, and then he started playing some good golf, one on live twice, and then you know did well at the Masters, and now he just won the PGA. So you know. I, yeah, I, I was, think a lot I was of kind of write, writing him. Sorry, I was kind of writing him off after the Masters performance. Like, like he he got the good wave. He played played real well those first two days, and then on the weekend it was just kind of meh when the conditions got tougher. So I was like, you know, he he might be back, or he played an easy course on live. Like the, I don't put much into that, and it was easy conditions for him at the first two days of the Masters that got him there. So seeing this, obviously. I put a lot more behind Brooks going forward. Um, how long he'll stay healthy. I think that's up in the air as well, but uh, if he's a healthy Brooks, I think there's no reason that he can't go out and compete in these things. A hundred percent. One thing. So he apparently found something right after Sunday in the masters and he went out and said, I found this and then kind of, wouldn't mention what that is that he found um to me that was like classic brooks kind of being the douchey brooks that i don't love of like no this is my trade secret that i figured out or whatever that was when he said that he kind of went back to oh yeah that's why i don't really like this guy um i'd be curious now i feel like i have to know what it is that he, he found out there and i'm curious if we'll ever find out or if there's even a thing yeah, right. If he's just doing a whole bit for himself. I mean, it, it could be an MJ thing where like you create false narratives to push you to be as good as you possibly could be under pressure, like invent something that forces you to play as best as you can for the media and the audience. And I think your point is apt, Ryan, about how he's completely mentally driven. And I think that means if he gets into a slump, he stays in a slump and it takes a lot to get out. And when he's feeling on top of the world, he's hard to beat. And I think that's Brooks yeah. in a nutshell. Definitely. And that's what terrifies me about him playing good in the Masters and then winning this because I don't want him to get on a run because I said he'd never have more than five. Yikes. I, I'm on You're record for it. double digits, right? Yeah. I What's that? Think 10. I think I'm on record for double digits that I think he, yeah, that I have I, said I he's going to have. I still don't think uh, that'll happen, but the scary thing is when he starts playing like this, he he definitely could find himself racking up another one or two, um, which is, I don't know, terrible. Well, what, but What I um, said even more recently when we were kind of talking about Brooks at the Masters is like, before we knew you got a 10-year exemption for the U.S. Open, um, that he would have seven more attempts at it. And if he got one, if he rattled off one more, that he would kind of be like, okay, I have exemptions into these. And I believe what I said was that he was going to get one more and no more after that. But how we'll how much how much imperative pressure do you feel like he feels now though to win him? Like it probably felt like I got to win this one. I got to win this one. I got to win this one because I'm running out of exemption time. And maybe he feels maybe less under the gun now and like can maybe relax on it. I don't believe so. I think Brooks really is aiming for legacy. Like he has a perfect live schedule to give him R and R to give him the space to just focus on the four events that matter to him. He's getting fat paychecks. He can build a huge team around himself in the way that he needs it. 
And it seems like his focus is just on the, you know, the things that he cares about. And that's a great recipe for success. And I think folks like Rory are realizing like, I can't, I can't deal with this other outside noise. Like I got to focus on the things that fucking matter. And to him and to Brooks, it's, it's these four events. And I think that's the kind of thing that, you know, I bring up Rory right now because I feel like this is an imperative inflection point for both their careers. Like Rory has been the dog has been the top dog for this generation for over a decade. And officially Brooks has passed him. However much you want to weigh Rory's 20 plus PGA tour wins or his longer presence at world number one is up to your, you know, discretion, but for the four majors or the four tournaments people care about most, Brooks has now passed the generational talent of this group and he has to be given his flowers for that. That's a huge fucking deal. And this has come from someone who's a huge Rory guy. And in that same just... breath, in that, in that same breath, uh, I mean, even since I've been paying attention to golf pretty rigorously, like I would say the last seven years or so, Rory hasn't won a major. So you could arguably be arguably say that Brooks has been a more dominant player, especially as far as majors go within recent history, you know, going back almost 10 years now. But you can't discredit Rory for starting early, finding success early. It's like blaming speed I, for not having won something in a while too. I'm, like he's I'm part only, of this generation too. I, I'm only making the, the point that in recent years, like if you're going off of majors as like, who's the best player in the world, like Brooks has been much more dominant in the last decade. And there, you know, there's, something in those in those that. four tournaments right and in, in yeah, major that's, golf yes that's what i'm saying and that's what and we've been saying is what they used to yeah and i mean that's what we were talking about like those are the four tournaments that matter to these two guys and yeah i just i i, I would hate to just take complete recency bias though in the sense of like Rory, uh, brooks took a long time to get out on tour like they're only one year apart in age and rory had won four majors before Brooks even stepped foot on the challenge tour. Like I get that, you, but 10 years isn't like recent, right? 10 years is a decade long. Like that's not a short amount of time. I, I get it. But my whole point is that like, it feels like I, I get that. Like you're weighing more importance to the most recent victory versus someone who are the exact same age and someone who came out and did four huge things and a bunch of PJ tour wins before this person even became relevant. Like, I don't know why we'd hold that against the other guy. But the other the other difference like here also is that Rory is sitting there at 34 years old or whatever he is, 33, um, and keep keeping himself a number three player in the world. Like Brooks has not even remotely close to played like that. Granted, I know we're talking about majors, but just as a whole, like to think that Brooks will be 33 years old and be a number top three player in the world is a fucking joke. I mean, granted, he may not want to be, and because we don't know what's going to happen with Liv, he may never even have the chance to be. I don't but... think that. I don't think that's a joke. Like right now, he's on Liv, so he's fucked with OWGR points. And when he was dominating the majors, he made it to number one in the world. Like I don't think if if he was still on the PGA Tour, I don't think it's like out of this world unrealistic to think. Yeah, that but he, he lost number one in the world player. after his major run, like relatively quickly. And if you look at the strokes gain history between those two players, Rory has maintained a much better strokes gained average than Brooks throughout his career. Like that's indisputable. That's fine. I just think that to say it's un like not possible to be a top three player with him, especially if he was playing on tour. I don't think you can rule that out. Well, he's not. I mean, the tour is gone for him, so we can't even 
put that I mean, into he's been, perspective. Apparently, but... he's been putting his feelers out on ways to get back on the PGA Tour, and that's just rumor mill stuff, but many, a lot of people have been saying that. Uh, whether that means he just rides his live contract out and then tries to figure a way out after that. And we're already halfway through. Apparently, there were four or five-year deals. We're damn near halfway through if it's a four-year deal. So that's two years away. Or he pays whatever out to like pays live whatever it is to get I out mean, of contract, which who I mean, knows we're talking what that like could 400 be. million dollars. Like yeah. he was like, yeah, 90 and, million the PGA, and the PGA tour is not, not gonna fucking. I mean, we don't know what they're uh, gonna do, and yeah, maybe Jay Monahan's gone at back. that point. I don't, I mean, do you that would be a huge like, win for them? I think if, it, if I think a lot of it would defect. Yeah. I think a lot of it would be with the like how he left. Like, was his name on the lawsuits? Um, I I don't know. Like, if he's one of the guys that just left and didn't sue the PGA Tour or anything like that, I think there's a much more open door to come back, like a cracked door maybe, as opposed to being that that door being shut and locked. All right, yeah. I, I feel like we're we're going down our third rails right now. So to get back on the PGA yeah. Championship because we're trying to breeze through this a little bit quicker. Uh. Look, Brooks is here. He's going to continue being here. We'll see how the rest of the major season pans out. Obviously, he's going to be in the mix at other majors. We'll see how LA goes. We'll see how Hoy Lake goes. Um, I'm glad he's there. He's a great presence there. Um, but there are other people at this tournament, guys, that I feel like we should probably give some uh, credit to. Uh, one young Hav was yeah, the Harvey. standing up there, putting up a fight against Brooks. Eventually, Brooks put him to bed, but... It was past it was his bedtime. Tough, it was a tough break on 16. Um, he drove it in the bunker, and I totally understand his reasoning for going for it out of that bunker. You know, he, he he's in the last few holes of a major championship that he's in the mix on. He wants to win it. He's, you know, but there's no, there's no point of him trying to play it safe in that situation. He's made a bunch of money. You know, he's got yeah, we, close we, we, we all, We're all behind you on that. Yeah, yeah. That, it was yeah. it was the right move to make. It's just even more ice cold of Brooks to stuff it to five feet after that. Like that's that just was like gangster. But it was fun playing with you. You hung you hung in there for a while going birdie for birdie with me. And that's impressive stuff. You're showing up at majors three in a row now, but it's not your time. And I'm I'm back. Like that that was the that was the, the most fucking ice cold shot I had seen Brooks hit since fucking Shinnecock. Yeah. It was I'm... he stepped up to that moment and did exactly what he had to do slam the door but in uh, just to touch back on hovland he did he ended up doubling that hole and then birdied 18 to finish back like bounce back to ty scotty once again scotty just hang around with like his b game like if if scotty didn't fucking shoot himself out of the tournament on saturday like brooks wouldn't have even won this week like scotty was fucking playing his ball and you didn't even hear like hardly any mention of Scotty. Like he just very nonchalantly finished T two. Like that's also uh, props. Right can we get a little? I get we we didn't choose the right guy, but a little bit of props for me and Dave. Our two guys that we picked on the preview pod going T second, both of them. I mean, I did get a little baller. bit. I did get a little bit of money from his T second finish. So <laughs> I got paid. I mean, I had to, Kepka, so to. To bet on Scotty's not a not a hard bet though. Let's be real there. But I mean <laughs> But you still have to put the money down and you still gotta do it, right? Like Yeah, you know. touche, touche. I'm not I'm not hating on it, dude. Scotty, I, I put money on Scotty for 
the remaining tournaments out there and you'd probably end up doing okay at the end of the at the end of the year i mean like i'm not i'm not hating but it are all. You, victor, but are you gonna give I mean, me like, props Clint? For, i know i first of all i knew you were picking victor everywhere and i and i honestly almost mentioned him as well um when we were talking about it. i didn't i'm not trying to take any like i'm not trying to take any of that type of stuff but i mean he was t7 at the majors uh, i'm sorry at the masters and i mean the dude has shown himself to be a factor in majors as well as just a, a fucking golfer. As, as, as mean, long the, as you don't have to really chip it. Like the Masters was interesting because it was crazy weather and like the wetness kind of like helped Victor in that respect. But like obviously you could putt from everywhere at at the uh, at the Open Championship at St Andrews, and then freaking Oak Hill. There was huge rough everywhere, so everyone was chip, chipping out of the exact same line. It was just sort of like, all right, chunk it out, chunk it out, chunk it out, chunk it out. So all of a sudden, chipping was negated, and uh, Javi came to play given the fact that his chipper didn't have to be that good, but he did chip it well strokes game to the field. So props to, you know, progress. He's been chipping better for sure. Um, if y'all are taking your, your flowers for your picks, I did cash a chick, a ticket that said Brooks kept on it. So not recorded um, on a podcast though. So it might as well not have happened. Okay. I think he brought uh, up that he, he, with his buddies, he put some money on him. Reluctant, yeah. Reluctantly, I think. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, Either way, um, yeah, it seems like Javi's going to rattle off one of these things. It's just a matter of time. You know, I'm sure people have said that about a lot of people in golf, you know, over the years. Xander, you know. Cantlay. Yeah, and there's still time for those guys. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like, you know, Javi's going to rattle one of these things off if he keeps playing how he is. Do we think that it is a uh, – as soon as he gets a new clothing deal, like that's when he's going to do it? He just doesn't want to look like shit when he's holding up a trophy? You know, it, it's it's a good question. Like, does Javi throw his majors because he's wearing freaking JL? Uh, I think it's it's a, it, it's worth asking, Dave. You're asking the right hitting hard-hitting questions right now. Or it's something he doesn't even realize, just his vibe, like he 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 thinks he's fine, but when he's wearing it, like there is something weighing him down and is it it just isn't getting there. And then as soon as he puts on something that's not JL and not, look, if he like, only wins one looking. major, which is possible, like do you really want every photo of you everywhere that anyone references about you in the future is you wearing something like that? I I don't I don't know. I, I don't know, man. It's a good question. He might pull Michael I, Jordan has put like a Norwegian flag over himself to cover everything. There you go. That would be the new move, but I'm sure they would be pissed about that. <laughs> but he's like, he's yeah, get rid mad. of cut me from the contract. <laughs> Fire me. I'm fine with it. He's laughing his way all the way to the bank. Anybody that the fact that anyone would even ask about his outfit, he's like, Yeah, dude, they pay me. So I wear it. Like, come I on. I mean, that's his doing? answer every time. He's like, they yeah. just script my clothing yeah. and I they pay me. I just wear what they want me to wear. Yeah. Which is perfectly admirable. You you signed the contract. We and... also know that Javi could be making plenty of money paying like having a different apparel line, though. <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't have to be these folks. So it's like, yeah, like when your contract's up, like maybe go somewhere else. <laughs> like I mean, you I clearly think, don't yeah. like wearing it. I think the smartest move, honestly, for like a young star that's coming up is to start their own their own clothing brand like if you're we if we, you're, we we don't have time for this on the pod i know I got you. <laughs> i'm just saying i think that's the move like he's gonna were, take us through his like pyramid scheme of like self-branding yeah, oh startup entrepreneurship no, but as if you were a young someone like professional. jordan spieth or a morikawa when they were coming out like i think that could could potentially be the move but yeah 
You're not wrong. Um, look, we're trying to wrap this one relatively quick because I know a lot of us want to get it to the event that we paid more attention to this weekend with the Ranger Cup. But I think there's two things that we probably need to highlight at the PGA Championship before we move on. Uh, first being one player and another one being the course itself, how the tournament kind of felt to you guys, whatever you did watch, like how Oak Hill kind of showed out for the event. Um, oh gosh, I guess two golfers. So one golfer that I was thinking of is the not so big golfer anymore. I mean, he came out there, he showed up and then one Michael block. It's the talk of the world right now. It seems to be all people fucking talk about. So I feel like both those people need to be hit on before we move on. I'll touch I'll, on I'll Bryson see the floor to you guys to go. Let me just touch on Bryson real quick. Um, I've he is been, your boy. I mean, go go, go for he's it. He's been my boy for you know, time sometimes, and then I'm down <laughs> on him other times. You know, it's a weird relationship between me and Bryson. I I I am at I admire his want to do things like the one length iron and stuff. We don't have to go deep into why I liked him. I'm not a you huge love fan how of how he shouts at rules officials. You love <laughs> yeah, that shit. Those are the things that, you know, you might not like the guy for. Anyways, um, honestly, good to see him playing well. I'm glad to see him playing well in the majors or this major in particular. Um, I know he, he's obviously has the game. He's won a U.S. Open. Um, and I think him going back to more of his body before he transformed but maybe with a little more mass maybe with a little more speed it could be a a a wicked development he might start you know just doing really well um i think just as a whole with him and brooks and phil mickelson playing well at the masters i think them playing well as far as like live and owgr points i think it is going to eventually push to a point where they have to figure out something i think it's the writings on the wall um there's just enough talent over there that you can't negate some sort why do of... we keep trying to derail this pod <laughs> i just think that I, 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 i'm that's just part of it we have two more majors if they keep showing up like it's just gonna happen that's all can we I'm... just talk about bryson though the golfer like, yeah, he played fucking phenomenally. He took this kind yeah. of elements of what was similar about Wingfoot and played amazing the, the the first, you know, round and a half to two rounds and then still managed to creep out and get a top five. Like, he played well. He got back down by Brooks when they were paired together. But I think Bryson is in a position to succeed as well as he was before. I think the bulk was for the brand, not for the speed. He could keep just as much speed at the size he is now. I mean, look at all these people like Cameron Champ and Gordon Sargent. Like, they find speed without bulk. Like, he just did it for the brand. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I he mean, he learned a lesson in moderation. Like, you don't need the six protein shakes. Maybe we hit one. Um, cause he looks maybe awesome. Try like eating some, maybe try eating some vegetables. Try some vegetables. Broccoli is man. good. Yeah. You know, every once in a while, mix it in. A little bit of spinach in your smoothie goes a long way. Um, but it's cool to have him back. I definitely did not have bryson leading on thursday on my bingo card so that was a a fun well technically surprise, technically leading on friday because they didn't finish the first round until sure. friday morning yeah and then yeah. cole but fell we, back we talked about him playing well here though before before it even started i mean we said that he'd have a great shot here because of the wing foot-esque of that course right like we knew that he had an opportunity now we did say him not being as straight off the tees could be a big factor here but obviously he was able to fight out of that yep for sure yeah 
But all right, yeah, guys. As, as as a whole, I think I think we all enjoy Bryson being in the mix at tournaments. It adds some entertainment value, and <laughs> whether you like him or you hate him, you're invested into him hitting shots. Whether he's hitting it against a guy, a guy you like, and he's running down the the last nine holes or the back nine against him, it's good to have him in the mix. I could say the same about Brooks as well. Like. Yeah. Love him or hate him, which I do hate him. Um, I like to see him in the mix, and it and it makes for good golf. So I mean, like you know, he's he cemented his exemptions for a long time to come. So I mean, for him to win that and put another one on the belt, and like we said, possibly, you know, change the way Rory's game's going to go moving forward. I mean, it's it's just good to have him at least in contention at these things, if not winning them. So it makes for other people to have to play harder and it's going to be for good golf moving forward. Yeah. So um, what I'm about to do is not a bit. I think it's time we make the transition and I'm saying this in all seriousness. We had a lot of debates back and forth kind of before this week. And as this tournament was going, we were talking about the course. We said, you know, the PGA has no identity there was one man that was in the field this week that was the identity of what this tournament is and what they should lean into. And that was the blockhead. It, I loved it. Like in all seriousness, inject that shit in my veins. I was totally here for this dude having the best weekend of his life. Getting to play with Rory on Sunday, hitting the hole in one. I thought it was fucking awesome. The dude overtook America. Like yes. as a whole. It was nuts. Um, I think it was great. Like it was entertaining. Props to him. He had the week of his life. I I, I love that for him. I I think it adds a lot of value for people who don't necessarily watch golf often. So I, I think that was pulling at a lot of people's heartstrings that you know normally don't watch golf and they hear this story. And I know a lot of people were loving that. As far as the identity for the tournament goes. These guys barely make cuts ever. This is a very rare occasion. So trying to put the identity of the tournament on that happening, like every tournament or every time they do the PGA championship, that's an unrealistic expectation that won't happen once every 10 years, I don't think. Um, so I think that being the identity, like, yeah, it's cool that there's guys in there that are PGA professionals, but I don't think that should be the identity of the tournament, nor do I think that is it's even possible. Um, I don't think that's what was meant behind that, but I'm, I do think I that's what, what Ryan, saying. I think that's what Ryan meant. I, I, I think I would say they should lean in more to the club pros playing in this event along with the players and the club to like give us the story and the personality of it. But what it's about the, like Sam Bennett or, Right. It was Sam Bennett at the Masters. He was the amateur that like played yeah. his lights out. They're making way bigger of a deal that about this guy than Sam Bennett, which should be a way bigger deal in my opinion. Like this well, guy. Sam Bennett is also a twenty-two year old that is the amateur champion that is going to have a good career in golf. This guy is fucking in his forties and a club pro that charges 150 bucks an hour. Like, and he's getting exemptions left and right. Two. It's like crazy. Like, why is this guy getting exemptions left and right? Like, he's going to miss the cut in all of those. Like, the, he had the week of his fucking life. And more power to him. I'm happy for it. It yeah, was yeah, a great yeah. storyline. But it's like, dude, 
where where I, and I know Sam Bennett probably got exemptions, but like, why isn't there the, like this outpouring for this kid? Like, they're, at they're, best, they're... at best, fucking Block has a year or two that he might do well in tournaments. It's like, why are they leaning so goddamn hard into this guy? Like, props to him. He made the the most money he's ever made, and people want to pay fifty thousand dollars for a seven iron that he made the hole in one with. It's just like. What is going on right now? <laughs> the exemptions I'll give you is like a little overkill. Like, okay, we like why don't we say this weekend was awesome and maybe he doesn't have to fly to Fort Worth this weekend. That said, I'm stoked. I get to see him on Friday at Colonial. So all right. So a lot of different directions to go with this dialogue. So I I I definitely lean on Dave's side that like you really can't lean into this being the identity of this for numerous reasons. One, this isn't the make a wish major. That's not what this is supposed to be. <laughs> and the, the, the ne- way harsh. It's not harsh. The guy like am- the Ryan, let, chill out for a second. Okay. The, the other thing of this too being is that like the difference that Dave is missing on the Sam Bennett versus this is that like to Clint's point, like this was this dude's like last moment of glory. Like to his point, like he had the, the wherewithal in the moment to like realize like this is this is the greatest moment of my life and it will be the greatest moment of my life that's what makes it different like sam bennett's future is bright everything's ahead of him this guy got the the pinnacle everyone in america got to see this guy's best moment of his life live on tv and that's what made it special there's no way that can be the identity of this tournament ryan because that's not repeatable and if you try to go into it saying like this magic could happen here all of a sudden you're just set up for disappointment for year after year as these dudes just keep missing the cut and not giving you anything entertaining as a product. No, it's, I guess I'm not elaborating well enough. Every year they invite the top performing club pros to the PGA, correct? That is a thing that they do every yes, year. They qualify. I, yes. I think it would be cool to see more stories of these dudes and more look at all of these guys membership at his course, watching him play like on so, Thursday so what, and Friday. What, what, what's the identity of the Saturday. tournament Saturday and Sunday? That's when everyone's actually watching. Players, yeah, your top players <laughs> at that point. But I'm saying, and at the same time, even on even on Thursday and Friday, are you going to want to be showing these guys all the time, fucking double bogeying and bogeying left and right? Like, I mean, I don't okay, know. So I, I like the, the idea. Like, I understand the concept and the idea. And if all of them were playing at the caliber of block this week maybe it'd be something but the history has shown that they play like shit it's cool because this is the only time that it happened and it's also only (laughs) cool because he made an ace i don't guys that's that's the reason it took off he made an ace he played with rory that's the reason why this thing took off if he had just gotten just a top 10 like people wouldn't be made made it crazy he wouldn't have gotten his exemptions it's because he went viral look come on let's be serious here and it's also because like you said rory hugged him and rory made a big deal out of it so we're like oh this people are just going after this let's throw this all over the fucking internet they already they already made him a big deal before the ace though he did the walk and talk on saturday yeah, like, they they made him a big deal before the ace. Like we we obviously didn't get to pay as much attention as we normally would because we had a much more important event going on. But I mean, like as far as he 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 how, was making waves on golf Twitter. He wasn't making yeah. waves on m- mainstream America Twitter. Sure. That's fair analysis for sure. 
Like he's getting more runway than Brooks is. <laughs> like th- yeah. this is this is not a joke. Yeah, the guy who just won his fifth major fucking block. The blockheads have the blockheads of America have come out. They're throwing a nationwide block party. The shit is still going on. I can hear fireworks. It's fucking goddamn Tuesday. They're still out there. 830 at night. I did have a guy that works for PGA in the boat store today. He works for like the new PGA in Frisco in the boat store today. And he was telling me he just got back from New York. And, uh, and he was like, dude, how about that Michael block, man? He was like, it was, it was crazy. (laughs) Like it, after after the tournament, we were in the bar, like just hanging out, having beers, and him and his buddies just came and drank for like four hours. It was wild. And I'm like, well, Look, he's just a fucking. Dude. I would do the same thing if I was. <laughs> I would, that's block. what I do after my round. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would be there. Sure. I would be there for the next two days, just fucking soaking it in and letting everyone tell me how good I am. <laughs> Look, let's let, let's just wrap it here. It was a great moment. It's going to be the signature thing that people remember about this major alongside Brooks's win. It's going to be on every goddamn highlight reel for the next three years at PGA Championships. They're going to milk the shit out of it. We're going to see him runway at fucking Colonial at the Canadian Open. Next thing you know, it's going to be an LPGA, LPGA Tour events. Who knows? He's going to be fucking everywhere. Michael Block hey, is now Michelle Block, and he is teeing it up <laughs> at the LPGA. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Look, all right, last thing. Oak Hill, uh, it was great. Like, I, I think there was a lot of things to, to left to be desired about the event, but all in all, it put people in a position to play the right shots. Um, I'm usually skeptical when I see pros praising a course because I'm usually like, uh, you shouldn't be so happy about this venue, but it was really good. Like for what I was able to see, I saw about two and a half rounds, um, in the right peak areas throughout the, throughout the week. Um, it, it really showed who the best player that week was with, I think Victor and Scotty and Brooks and Brooks played the course exactly how the architect intended. And he played to the the sensible positions, never made mistakes, never wavered. And to go out and shoot 66, 66, 67 is no fucking joke. And uh, Oak Hill put him in a position to succeed. He had the length. He had the, he had the, you know, the, uh, what was the word that he used? Um, The discipline. And it showed, I think it was a great venue. I can't wait for them to go back in, you know, eight, nine years. Cause I, it's not the most flashy venue. It's not Shinnecock. But for it to have the second highest scoring average with the first round uh, of a U.S. Open since Shinnecock, like or of a of a major venue since Shinnecock, it's pretty dope. I'll I'll, I'll take it. I uh, yeah. I guess I'll chime in. I felt not the same way. Um, to me, I did not enjoy how much it was just target golf, especially on Thursday, where the rough was so punishing that you just you had to hit fairways. Uh, for me personally, um, I don't want to see that many of the top players out of contention that quickly with a course being that challenging. That's just my preference. Um, and I get that maybe that's a soft take. Um, but it was just a little bit too penal if you missed the fairway for my liking. Um, Andy Johnson of the fried egg kind of had a similar feeling as you, not exactly the same, but he 
said something that he thinks would fix it and make the venue kind of, you know, kind of hover in between of what, you know, kid had mentioned of what you're not liking about it. Um, and he said he, he prefaced it with, he's generally not a fan of graduated rough, but this venue in particular, if you did however many yards of graduated rough or what you, you think would work, um, it would add a little bit of give on the edges of the fairways instead of running it exactly into that that thick un unpredictable. Or I guess it was actually more predictable. You knew it was going to be unpredictable. Anyways, you add some graduated rough. Some guys have some more shot making abilities. You're able to see some more, you know, yeah. approaches getting towards the greens. Um, albeit it may make the score a little lower, but I think it would add much more entertainment value. And I thought that was a good perspective to have. Um, because I, 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 I see what kid says, I see what you say. And I think honestly that, well, would... I, I agree with Andy as well. Like that would have yeah. been a, a well welcomed addition to the fairways uh, is yeah. to give it graduated rough so that a guy who trickled in just two or three feet off of the fairway running into it. And the guy who flew it straight into the rough got essentially the same break with how thick that rough was not too many things like sat super deep. A lot of the drivers would land on the fly and then kind of skid and then get stuck in it. And they get the same lie as someone who skirted in through the fairway, which is not what you yeah. want. Like the venue was far from, from, from perfect, but to, to see that it required, I mean, guys, those pins were diabolical. Like yeah, the, awesome. those placements were sick. The amount of discipline and carving that was necessary to get into some of those pin locations required shaping it both ways. folks sorry for a little bit of technical difficulties that got cut off uh we kept going for you know maybe a minute or so but just to kind of tie a bow on oak hill and the pga championship i think you know mixed reviews from various people on the pod you know all in all i think people were probably satisfied with the outcome given the history of this major championship broadly and uh you know if we get more venues like this and competition like this and you know continuing to stress and test different types of games. We're probably going to be pleased to see more of these into the future. Um, you know, maybe I'll go around the horn and give guys one last time to say maybe in a few words, what they thought about this major championship in general, and then we'll transition into the other quote unquote major <laughs> championship for these guys on this call. Uh, for what we, we did, uh, this, this past weekend in, uh, in the Houston area. Um, I really liked Oak Hill. Um, as uh as far as the, like the green complexes the bunkering the aesthetic of the course i really really enjoyed it like i as far as what a course looks like it it really i gave it a nine out of ten like i really enjoyed the way the course looked i liked the trees i they did an excellent job removing trees and keeping the ones that you know seem important and add value to the course um Obviously, as we mentioned, they could do, I think the graduated rough would really make this venue pop and be a much more entertaining venue. Um, aside from that, um, really liked the course, really enjoyed the tournament as much as I got to watch. Um, and I think it, I think it brought a, a deserving winner and it found who played the best this week. Yeah, I think my big takeaway will be we've got uh, a force to be reckoned with with Brooks back in the mix and uh, I'm happy to see it. Um, I think he really put his name back on the map and he's going to be somebody that's going to 
going to be around for a long time playing dominant major golf. And uh, he definitely executed better than anybody this week and was a deserving winner for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, for me, I, I'd kind of hop on Dave's back there a little bit and like the aesthetics of the course and, and how good it looked. I mean, it, it was <clears throat> very pleasing to the eye. I mean, there was, there was some really good, um, holes in the green complexes were nuts. I mean, it was, it was, it was definitely cool. And once again, I, you know, like, like everybody, um, didn't get to watch it as much as normally would on any other major, but, um, overall I'd, I'd call it a dub. And, uh, even though it's not the, the champion I wanted to see, um, at the end of the day, I'm still happy to see that he's, that he's back to major golf. So, um, not bad, Brooks. You little bitch. Not bad. All right. Before we move to Ranger Cup, uh, everyone, it's it's got to happen because of who won. All right. Uh, end of career major number, Brooks. What's it going to be from your view? Quickly. Ooh. Ooh. You only say the Seven. number. That's it. And we move on. Seven from Ryan. Clint. I'm gonna I'm gonna second that. I I originally said I'd never seen more than five. Um, I'm going to go back to seven. I I think that he's back in the mix, and and I don't think he's going to win more than that, but seven. Ten. <laughs> oh, he's Doubling sticking down. with it. Doubling down. Sticking with That's it. Fucking absurd. Um, yeah, I think seven's probably the logical number here. Um, I want to say six just because winning majors is fucking hard. But Bill Mickelson he, didn't win his first major until what was it, 34? And he has yeah, six. Phil Mickelson has almost his entire career not have injury has had injury problems. I got Brooks you. I'm already... just saying. I'm just saying. Phil has six. He didn't win his first one until 34. Brooks is 33 or 34. He's got five. Hey. Ten. All right. Cool. Um, all right. So seven, 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 and then ten. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> All right, we're uh, we're moving on, moving on into the next topic. For those of you that are still listening, we're moving on to a golf tournament that you <laughs> none, none of you have watched before, none of you have probably even heard of. Maybe you have on previous podcasts. We did a draft for it, but it is our fourth uh, installment of the Ranger Cup, a modified Ryder Cup esque tournament here within the Texas area, where we have sixteen local recreational golfers amongst our friends that compete in an eight V eight team format over three rounds. Uh, and, uh, and we compete for a, a, a cup and some commemorative bag tags and bragging rights and beating our friends and, and just having a good time out there. And uh, this one we had in Houston at two of the Cypress wood courses and one in the Huffman area and yeah, what another another successful weekend of Ranger Cup golf and and fellowship and brotherhood amongst our debaucherous uh, compatriots out there on the course. Uh, what do you guys think of Ranger Cup Four? Well, I can't have this long of a pause again, guys. Well, Come on, it's two of them now. Mind, don't mind if I do. Um, I found it to be amazing. Uh, yeah yeah you know coming away with the dub was nice seeing as clint what was your role in this ranger cup 
I was a captain. Um, I was a captain, had to pick a just lights out team, um, which I, we weren't completely lights out, but we, we uh, made it work. Um, you know, it was, we, we took care of business and, you know, it was good for another battle Royale against Ryan. Um, he did best us last year, not by much, but he did. And uh, so it was good to run that back. And and now, uh, even though we've got all four captains on the pod, we all are uh, we all got a victory under the belt as Capitans. So that is true. Evened it out. Yeah. Evened it out. You guys had the exact same winning margin, nine and a half out of sixteen. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of wild. Wow, it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't like uh, you know a blowout, but uh, a point and a half margin to to take it. It, you know, um, it was cool for a lot of those. um, Well, not on on the second day. A lot of those matches were able to go down to you know at least seventeen or eighteen, and you know, you don't always get that on the scramble side of things, but um, when we did the match play stuff and uh, even best ball, or I'm sorry, um, alternate shot, we had some some good ones go back and forth. So it was, I mean, as always, dude, a, a freaking blast. And um, I just can't wait for the next one. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ranger Cup is a great time with a great group of guys. Uh Clint, you are far too humble. Y'all smoked us, and you beat the shit out of me in a head-to-head matchup. Um, That's some extreme language, man. Smoked? <laughs> smoked, dude. It, I mean, what nine and a half point margin. Yeah, I mean, okay, nine and was, a half isn't isn't like smoking. No, I think. he's. It, but it he's, was over before. Like y'all's match didn't even matter at the end, kid. Like you still, we still get the points, but it was after we already lost. Um, yeah, but we're you can only look at the margins at the end of the day, right? Because it, it, those matches could have been like thrown out anywhere, and it could have come down to the last two matches or whatever it was. Like, and it's I not like we that... had a live leader score leaderboard where like we knew our matches didn't matter. Like, no, for sure, I'm not. The last two matches were decided like pretty much like the moment that like we got word. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm not saying like you you should think any less of your experience. I'm just saying I knew we were beat <laughs> before I even got to your match. But it was a ton of fun. It's seriously the best group of dudes, some really good golf courses. Um, it was a ton of fun. I take offense at of being smoked. That 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 just feels disrespectful to. He might he might have been thinking about he might have been thinking about his uh, first scramble my, round my scramble. against. Yeah, that's that's maybe what he was talking about there. <laughs> I made sure to give you props for beating me. You killed me. I didn't win a hey. single hole against Clint. So no. just to kind of get the get back on track here a little bit, um, <laughs> for the people that are listening out there our format was the we did three rounds two on saturday one on sunday the first round was 18 hole scramble you had a partner it was 2v2 and then the next round was same format but alternate shot so we ran 36 holes the first day the first day we were playing at cypress wood they had the tradition course 
and I believe the original course. Is that right? The Cypress course. Okay, the Cypress course. Um, the tradition course was awesome. I really enjoyed it. It was in great condition. Like I, 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 I thought it was in great condition. It was a uh, tree lined, but wide to where, you know, the trees weren't necessary. Like it, you could hit a kind of wayward drive and you'd be okay. But if you had a bad one, you were going to be in the trees. Um, I thought it was a really fun course to open up the Ranger cup um, with a scramble, you know, get everyone, you know, out there hitting some shots at a great course where you're not necessarily grinding. You got to hit more shots on the nicer course, which was nice in, in my opinion. Right. Um, so, so, so you, you, you like the scramble, Dave? Did you like the scramble, Dave? I think for the courses that we played, that was the best course to have the scramble at because it was a course that was the most expensive. It was the course that was in the best condition. So people got to get their money's worth as far as shots go. Um, in that regard, I think it was good that we did a scramble at that course um, was what I was saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the Ranger Cup. It's... It is just so fun. Um, you get to you get to scratch that competitive itch, uh, at least that I get. Um, I take pride in winning my matches. I, I really I really enjoy getting to uh, get out there and you know this is really some of the only competition that I get to do these days. You know, so uh, yeah, I I really like it. It's it's so much fun. Like Ryan said, it's a great group of guys. Um, I, and it, and it's something that, you know, not everyone needs to take it as seriously as I do with the matches. Like if you lose, you lose as far as the Ranger cup, like I'm not trying to lose my matches, but it doesn't really matter. Like we're not playing for money or anything. We're playing for bragging rights. We're playing for the cup. And, you know, I think that, that, that is awesome. You know, your, uh, your captain could have mentioned, um, the honor that, he bestowed upon you for your performance this week. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's sorry. Fine. First, of, first of all, first of all, we're just now getting on it. That was just a recap. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I will talk about my MVP. Okay. Don't you worry. It does feel kind of spoilerish because we're going to go through our matches and kind of say that, you know, I don't know. It seemed a little bit preemptive, Ryan. Uh, it's all right. It's well, all right. The dude is talking about That's his experience in the fight he takes and winning his matches. I just thought it should be. I never mentioned that I won. I said I take pride in winning my matches. It felt very implied. It's just because you know the information. That's fair. Um, look, we can't always speak for other folks' matches, but we can speak for our own. And uh, at least for the three of the four of us on this pod, we uh, were at least at one point either playing against or playing alongside one of the people in the pod, except for Dave. Uh, Ryan played against uh, Clint Saturday morning, his playing partner being Tim and Clint's playing partner being Dan. Um, I'll, you know, they already kind of alluded to it earlier in the pod, but just to kind of give a rundown of the scramble match, uh, Ryan and Clint, what are your, what are your thoughts on Saturday morning's round? I thought it was an absolute blast. Um, it, I'm sure you did. No, I mean, I will say though, uh, 
Ryan took it like a damn champ because I thought that he was going to be way, way, way more butthurt than he was. Um, but, you know, one thing about playing uh, against a garbage golfer such as myself, um, those pops will get you, you know? Yeah. So, And, um, and if we ran and, a bit more of a legitimate it. operation, we we would have also realized that there's – a pretty significant uh, bias toward higher handicappers and scrambles. We did the, uh, the, the, the handicap allowance recalculation separately from after the fact. And we realized that had the handicap allowance been calculated correctly to playing handicaps for the match, you gotta, you guys would have been all squared on the hole that they lost on with you guys having three holes coming in that you would have been popping on. But it's crazy how more even the match would have been had we used USGA's rules. <laughs> it's funny how we up with those. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, we're learning. Hey, we're I learning. Will, I will say that doesn't mean you would have lost the match. Correct. Okay. No, no one is disputing 100%. the legitimacy no. of the Ranger Cup win. That is not what we're doing here. It was a match well earned. We knew the situation. We recalculated quite a few matches and we realized how they could have been slightly different and the outcomes being slightly different. But at the end of the day, like, People would have played differently. They would have pressed in different situations. They would have tried to make something happen. No one is revoking anyone's or disputing of anything. Of course not. Uh, that said, uh, yes, me and Tim were giving Clint and Dan 13 strokes. Um, Dan is a better golfer than I am. Uh, our handicap indexes are similar. Uh, Dan played high school golf. Um, so anytime I'm giving him that many strokes is going to be an uphill battle. Um, me and Tim birdied the first and tied the hole with a net bird going against us. And I said, Tim, we might be in for a long ride. I think this is what we're going to get used to. Um, we had to make a birdie putt on four after Dan bladed it over the green and Clint made a 40 foot putt from the fringe for a net Eagle. Uh, That'll happen. It was just That'll happen. one of those days. Um, I knew that the uh, the odds were against us, and we were just trying to hang in there. And uh, we we missed a couple opportunities and just ran into a buzzsaw. Um, but Clint played his game, and Dan was pretty much automatic off the tees. Um, so it was going to be an uphill battle for us no matter what. I do have a question regarding that. So how many did, – did you guys take any of your drives, Clint? Um, we took we took two of my drives, um, and we took – on a, there was a par five that we took four of my shots. Nice. I, I just I, – the only reason I bring it up is that there also is a rule in USJ with two-man scrambles that – a minimum number of you have to take at least six drives from one of the players. Like uh Clint did not hit six drives. Say <laughs> <laughs> that with like supreme confidence. I stand by that shouldn't be a rule in the Ranger Cup. Yeah, I I yeah, I, I don't necessarily say you have to put that into practice, but like that is also just like a funny like note to like yeah. what they say is like which the, I like, understand why they do it. Like, I think that yeah. definitely for a much more competitive thing, if you're playing for money or something like that, it would make sense. But until whoa, whoa, we... whoa, whoa, whoa. Ranger Cup is just as important as money, Dave. We 100% <laughs> stand behind that. Come on now. Well, 
And and to talk about that, you know, I actually would probably be okay with that rule um, moving forward because I, for the first time, decided to change some things and put the driver away on Sunday, um, which I should have done on the second round on Saturday, but I didn't. Um, and my tea game was a lot different. It was a lot <laughs> different. So, um, imagine having that tea game with your driver and like, Two bucks, Dave. Balls, it still, it still wasn't, it still wasn't <laughs> anything to write home about. <laughs> but it Clint, Clint was making at least, he was at least making logical decisions on Sunday. Um, at least more well, logical decisions. Yeah, I was gonna say, except for like three holes, which is all it took for me to lose well, the match. Let's, um, let's stick to let's stick to the yeah. scramble round right now, and we'll get into that. But uh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, Dave, take us through your scramble. Well, I'll start by just starting with Saturday morning. Um, I woke up <laughs> very hungover. Um, I had had quite a bit of uh, adult beverages the uh, day before and wasn't feeling great. So on the ride up to the golf course, I'm riding with kid. Um, I'm I'm essentially doing breath work in the car ride, trying not to throw up not wanting to throw up in my brother's car, feeling like I'm going to throw up the entire drive there. And I'm just doing breath work on the way over there. The 40 kid, minute drive. Yeah. Kid it sounds like over. he was getting acupuncture done. He's like, Ooh. <laughs> 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 and kid looks over to me at one point, we're getting close to the golf course. He looks over at me and in a like relatively concerned, at least what it sounded to me voice, he goes, we're eight minutes away. We're eight minutes away. And I was like, okay, we're eight minutes away. You can we're do this. In. You can do this. And we eventually get there. As soon as we get there, I open the door and I stand up out of the car and just start puking. Um, just, just letting it rip. Um, and yeah, so that's how uh, my day started. Um, felt significantly better after that. We, we get to the first tee. Uh, you know my body state. Um, we're playing against uh, Jeff Garen and Jeff. Yeah, Jeff and Garen. Uh, it's me and Mark. Um, we all we all know Mark. Um, he can be frantic. He can be playing really good. He can be in his head. He's just all over the map as far as emotions go. So I know I have my hands full. Regardless, me and Clint knew this going into the Ranger Cup that it would probably be best that I am Mark's partner. Um, just cause I feel like I can keep him grounded and going, doing the right thing. Um, so we go on We Jeff, Jeff and Garen take the first tee shot. Garen hits a 300 yard cut. Uh, the whole, the first hole is a relatively short dog leg, right? And they have a flip wedge in. I, uh, Mark goes up, he hits a drive that's in play. It's it's nice, which freed me up a little bit. I'm feeling like absolute dog shit. I don't know what is going to happen. Um, I go up and I hit a money little cut, not quite 300, but within a, a club of what they're going to be hitting from. So I was like, okay, if we can keep this going, if I can, if my driver's good, which it hasn't been great lately, um, I think we can do okay. 
little do I know, Garen is proceeding to have apparently the round of his fucking life. Um, he proceeds to just stripe a, his driver. Apparently, not apparently, I saw it. Freaking at least 290 plus all day long with this little butter freaking draw, like three to six yard draw all day long. So the first hole, we hit our shots in. Um, uh, they end up making a birdie. Um, they win the hole, and I was like, "Fuck, this is gonna be a long day if this is this is how this is going." Um, we get going. Uh, Mark's not really really helping the team at all, so I'm having to really carry the team for probably through the six first six holes. Um, just feeling really just not good just having to pull like my best golf game out of my ass. We're not hitting any greens. I don't think like we're having to scramble our dicks off. And that was how it was all day long. Like we were having to drain eight, eight foot pars to save the, 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 to save the hole or tie the hole. Our match never got over a one, a one hole lead, like a one up lead the entire day. Never got to it. It was either, all it was either up until the 17th hole it was they were either one up or we are all square and there were at least two holes where both mark and i hit drives that didn't get past the ladies tee boxes so we're hitting like three woods from like the ladies tee boxes up to around the green we hit a chip and then we saved the fucking par and we pushed the hole it was like the most crazy scrambling day I've ever played of golf. I was somehow putting my absolute dick off. I hit like two fucking 30 to 40 foot uh, birdie putts. It was crazy. And then finally on 17, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a drivable par four. Um, there's a couple different options of what you can do. Um, it's all square at this point on the tee box and homie Garen has been hit, striping his driver all day, right? We have the tee box. We had one, I don't know what hole in front of it, but we had the tee box cause we had won the last hole and in the cart, I'm talking to Mark. I was like, all right, you're going to hit the safest shot we can do. It's a very short hole. You're going to hit like your 150, 160 club. And that's going to give us like 140, 130 in. And we're going to get on the green and we're going to have a putt at birdie. And then if you hit a good shot, I'm going to hit my six iron, like 180, 160 or 180, 185 club. And then we're going to have, you know, like a hundred or 90 yards in, and that'll be a better shot. And we'll hopefully get it closer. And, uh, so we go up and do our thing. Mark hits a perfect shot. I hit a perfect six iron. So we have like a hundred yards in and they come up on the box. Hefe hits one in the water right. So now it's up for Garen. Garen comes up with his driving iron. He Well, he has both his clubs. He has driving iron and his driver. And he goes up to set his ball up with his driving iron, has his driving iron in his hand. And then Hefe pulls him off and he's like, dude, you're hitting your driver right here. You're going for the green. You've been hitting your driver good all day. We're going to win this match. And he hits his driver and it goes into the green side bunker. And I was like, mm, perfect. Like, we're going to win this fucking hole. Like, that's what the hole was designed to do. Those bunkers, 
are not easy to get out of. They're pretty, that one in particular is pretty deep. They're going to have a tough shot. The, the pins in the back, it's like a long bunker shot. And I was like, Mark, we just have to hit one of us have to hit a good shot here. We have to have a nice look at birdie. And, uh, so we get up to the ball. Mark hits not a very good shot. I go up to hit the ball and I stuff it nice little cut. Somehow I was hitting cuts with my fucking sand wedge that day. I don't know why I just embraced it. And, uh, it was like a six or seven footer. So we had a pretty decent look at birdie. They go up to hit their bunker shots. Um, Hefe hits a pretty decent one. Um, they had like probably 25 feet to look and Garen hits a bad one. It doesn't, it wasn't good. So they take Hefe's. They end up three putting, uh, for a bogey. We end up saving par. We go one up, then we go into 18. Um, that's when Clint, uh, I think you showed up either at the end of 17 or at the beginning of 18. And, uh, yeah, we just go on, uh, to tie that hole. I hit a pretty good three wood into a fairway bunker for the second shot, but it left us on this, this crazy uphill lip after the bunker. It didn't, it, it barely got past it and we had to hit this weird shot. It ended up not really mattering cause they hit two bad shots and we were all kind of just like either chipping or putting from around the green and ended up tying it. But it was a very, very stressful round from you know the way i was feeling from the beginning of the day to having to carry mark through the first like six or seven holes with not my best game and not feeling the best and then just battling with him for the remainder of the round to try to save pars left and right and not hitting good tee shots on a several of the holes and yeah uh, it was hard fought we ended up winning one one up on 18 and uh yeah just a, a an absolute grind out there but i truly enjoyed the course i thought it was a really awesome course and uh yeah we got it done and i was i was stoked to get it done but you yeah garen was playing he he was a 16 index for this tournament i would say he was playing like a six or a seven undoubtedly like he was striping his driver the entire round he was fucking stuffing his 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 wedges and his irons into the green. They just did not putt well. They did not putt well. That's what fucked them. That was the only thing that kept us in in the match. And we just putted our absolute dicks off. I I really did. Mark made some clutch par putts, but he would give me the line and I would just try to take in all that information and put a good roll on it and it worked out. Yeah, that was the only competitive match really of the scramble, right? Was the all grinding that one out? Yeah, I, I believe so. Ryan, all about spoilers. Just loves the spoilers. It's two for two on the spoilers. Jesus Christ, this fucking guy. Um, the next match after you guys was Miles and uh, Brandon versus JT and Garrett. Um, none of us really watched too much of that round. Uh, it sounds like B was in a tough predicament for most of this Ranger Cup playing at an 11.2. I went to the range with him, worked with him for about two hours, and we actually got him to be competitive as, as best we could at that number. Um, he actually came into the Ranger Cup feeling actually pretty confident in his game. And I think between the Friday practice round and how he played throughout the tournament, he played better than he had been playing for months leading up to it, but just still couldn't play quite to that 11 number that was needed to to offset the pops that folks were getting, especially in a scramble format. So he had an uphill climb with Miles, and their match ended relatively quickly, with but... uh. 
With just to add in something, I don't know how Miles played, but whenever he played on Sunday, he he definitely played to that handicap, if not a little better than that handicap. I was I was impressed with Miles's game on Sunday, especially on that tight narrow course. Yeah, we'll he's he. Later, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll get into it because I played with him in alternate shot on uh on Saturday afternoon. But uh, yeah, they're matched. I think ended five and four, I believe, right? Something like that. Um, yeah. some something like that. And then uh, the anchor match of the of the morning was me and Sam against Mitch and Jimmy. Um, I, I'll try to save time for this and just try to breeze past it so we can keep moving. Um, we'll have to be a little bit more efficient on time with that. We just handled the scramble section. Sorry, there. I just felt like I had to bring in that morning routine there. <laughs> sure i i mean we spent 15 minutes on hole 17 but <laughs> but uh i was just we'll, trying we'll, to get some context uh my match uh wasn't really all that competitive um let me first by give huge kudos and credit to uh jimmy and mitch and and clint for putting them together um i think their games complement each other really well uh jimmy to dave's point was uh playing great t uh t to green ahead of the Ranger cup. And that first course of the tradition course was a great venue for that. Uh, Jimmy did hit some squirrely balls out there, but also hit it really well too. Um, he would, was always putting Mitch in a, a great position off of the tee, but Mitch also freed him up by having a pretty good tee ball himself. Um, he would hit one kind of, you know, 250, 260 out there, which is nothing to sneeze at. And then Jimmy was able to lash at it with the freedom to go deeper down the fairway, which was a great uh, alleviator for him. And then, I think the area where they struggled the most was really just kind of in approaching into greens. They were going along quite a bit, which was kind of a theme for Jimmy throughout uh, the Ranger cup. I don't think he still quite understands how to club himself in the greens, how to judge wind, how to judge slopes of greens. It kind of bites him in the butt a lot, but it didn't matter at tradition course. Cause I think generally the greens were pretty large. And if he was long, they would just have kind of like 25 footers coming back. And they were, you know, this will be a theme of the Ranger cup, but Mitch was, putting the fucking lights out and uh he was also a fantastic chipper of the ball throughout the the weekend too so they were a dynamic duo and just on the other side of the ball um i got off to a very slow start uh on the on the front nine uh the theme of the day was we took my drive we took my approach uh sam gave me a read on a putt and then i ended up missing the putt after it um i just couldn't get the rock rolling for the first front nine um, I, th and this is nothing to throw shade at Sam. He would say it himself, but we didn't have it that, uh, that, that first 18, I at least found it on the back nine, but I was still more or less playing two V one and, uh, I could only beat them on three holes by myself. And then they closed it out pretty decisively five and four. Um, if I was more competitive and I had my game to go, you know, more two V one in the front nine and Sam helped a little bit more than he already did. Um, I think it could have been more competitive, but like I said, Sam was still like high spirits in the cart. He hit a couple things that helped us here and there, but you know, we talked about it later in the day and we, we both just didn't quite bring the game that we needed to for that first 18. And we lost decisively as a result, um, which was, uh, which was, you know, obviously a bummer going into the afternoon, but we were determined to turn it around as a team. And me and Ryan tried to shake up the pairings because we ended that first morning zero and four. So we needed to turn things around after uh, a real serious <laughs> battle <laughs> ahead of us. So I'll, I'll let it go into the intermission here and Ryan speak to kind of what was your mindset and decision-making when trying to go into an afternoon after being 04 
uh, after the morning. Yeah, uh, we knew we had to do something different. Um, and we. Oh also- shit! Sorry, sorry, Ryan. Jimmy would kill me if I didn't do this. Jimmy almost hit a green with his driver on right. the first course, just five, so damn close, like three inches short of hitting the green with a driver. It was so impressive. I, I mean, he laced it. He hit a great drive. It was about a 295 yard drive to get to the green. Um, he drove it 293 yards, uh, <laughs> and it rolled up to about three inches from the green and, you know, a really impressive drive just, just had to lie to the group though, that he hit the green. You know, it, it just he made a point to to text in the group when he did it. Did that was whole five. That five. was whole five because he made it very, very, very apparent that 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 was what happened. He was very proud. Um, we did make sure to remind Jimmy that I did drive the green on seventeen. Um, so someone did drive a green on the traditions course. Um, it just there might not have been our boy Jimmy. Um. Going into the intermission, we knew we had to shake things up, um, and we also felt really confidently, um, rightfully so, that we didn't think Clint was going to change any of his pairings. Um, We were, again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Like, you won all four matches. So we tried to craft some matchups that we thought would give us an advantage against those pairings that just beat us down. Um, We mixed it up a little bit. Um, As Dave said, we knew Garen was a headache for him um, in the first match. So we made a point to, uh, to tee that one up together. Um, I went out there and, uh, made a mess of things with El Jefe. Um, it turns yeah, out... Yeah, but before you go into, like, match by yeah. match, you know, your pairings that you sent out in the afternoon, Mitch, or uh, Clint left is the same. The first match out was Clint and Dan versus me and Miles. That was the new pairing. The next match was Tim and Sam versus Garrett and JT. After that, it was Ryan and... Jeff. Jeff versus Mitch and Jimmy. And the anchor match was again Dave versus Garen. He had Mark, uh, Dave had Mark on his team, and then Garen had B. Uh, that was the matchups for the afternoon. Yeah. Um, so we thought we had a good thing going. Um, in all the strategizing that we did, I chose to skip lunch um, and drink too much. So in my matchup, I was a useless partner for Jeff. Um, on top of that, I had a really bad case of the lefts and playing against Jimmy. Sorry, kid. Go ahead. Well, I just meant just like, what did we harp on for like two weeks leading up to this Ranger Cup? What you bring to your matchups is your logical play and strategizing around the course to lift your partner up. You did the exact opposite. You made the worst 100%. decisions off the tees. You, like the... It, it was an alternate shot. You had to bring that to the game and you just, you just didn't, you didn't. That is correct. I don't know if you heard the part where I said I drank too much. I, uh, uh we were the match behind you guys. And, uh, I was in when I'm, when, when I, what I was thinking, watching y'all's match and I'll, and I know Jimmy and I know he's going after every single ball off the tee. Like he's going to squeeze whatever he can out of the hole. 
And I was like, I don't know if Ryan's having like, if like having to think he has to keep up with Jimmy on this course. Cause you don't have to keep up on that course. Like you can be strategic off the tee and you can lay back and be okay. But, uh, what did that come into play at all? Were you like, damn, he just hit a fucking bomb. I should hit a bomb too. Um, it's actually way worse than that. Uh, Jimmy actually played smarter than I did. Um, way to go, Jimbo. Yeah. Jimmy took some four irons off the tees that I should have. Uh, Clint can attest the driver was the best club in my bag in the scramble. Like I was driving the ball phenomenally on the first 18. Um, yeah. So I felt very confident. Um, wrongly so. Um, <laughs> and that was our demise. So I, I uh, think also, you legitimately only had one bad drive on the front or on in that scramble match the entire time. Yeah. Um, again, fireball is not your friend. Um, and also Mitch, like you referenced earlier, he was a putting machine. They didn't miss a single putt. So we were down early and which made me feel like we needed to try and do too much to battle back. Um, it was just a poorly managed round by me. And I, uh, I take full responsibility for the L on that one. Clint, you want to go into your matchup? Was Hefe playing okay for his game for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's very consistent. Um, yeah, he, he had a couple his game. of shots. That, yeah, exactly. That's the best way to say it. He knows his game really well, and he he plays his ball. Um, Hefe's a dream to play with. He's a fantastic yeah. playing partner. Ton of fun. Really good partner. Um, <laughs> would strongly recommend. Absolutely. He keep he keeps the vibe alive. There's no doubt. Yeah, he did too good of a job of that with me. <laughs> Self sabotage. Yeah, Clint, you you, yeah. you want to go into your afternoon matchup? So a little bit of alt shot. Um, I guess we can kind of you know run this as a duo, kid. Sure. Um, we faced you off. know I we did we did kid and I um, kid chose Miles. Uh, which ended up being a pretty salty choice. I mean, he, uh, he, dude can hit the ball. I mean, he, he, he's definitely a golfer. Um, and I, that second course, I was definitely a harder course for me personally, uh, not nearly as open. Um, and I, definitely didn't play it nearly as well also dan wasn't playing as good as he did on the first course either i would um, imagine granted, dan probably had some fireballs too because he was the one like fireball 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 yes. so I yes would, i would imagine he, that had some influence on his let, let's also remember that dan not playing well can also be a product of where dan had to be playing from like th- that is part of this too Touche. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so there's, I mean, yeah, there's, there's two sides to that coin kid, but just because you're not hitting from where you normally do, doesn't mean you don't have a club for a link, but I'm with you. Um, yeah. uh, I yeah. did, I did Dan zero favors and I mean zero favors. Like it was an absolute just, bath on 
it was the first time in a really, really, really long time that on that front nine, I couldn't keep a confidence together. Like I was like on the verge of losing it every hole. I was, <laughs> I was literally about to break a club, throw a club every other shot. But like, you, you I didn't was... actually behave all that absurdly though. You kept it relatively together. You didn't like, like you didn't lose it that much. No, I was on the verge, but I, but I was able to keep it again. Cause I knew that I couldn't, I knew I couldn't do that because I, I didn't want Dan to, uh, I, I didn't want him to like lose faith in me essentially. And then him just be checked out and, and be like, okay, well, this is the lost cause. So I'm just going to get drunk and move on. Like, I didn't want that to happen. And I don't think he completely did that, but I think he kind of did that. <laughs> like he definitely, I mean, no, he, uh, he was grinding. Cause if you think about it, like, yes, there was a couple holes where you literally topped it into water five feet from the tee box twice. Like that, that's not going to win you any holes, but you did he did there was the point where he missed left on that par three on the elevated green and you shanked your chip to the front edge of the green and it was like literally two inches from falling on the hill then dan puts it through the fringe up like a long 30 footer and just drains it like he was still grinding for your team like dan was playing decently well in the alternate shot no no i mean no doubt about it and he was you know as kid would say carrying around a dead fucking carcass because I was just a dumpster fire. And so that that was, you know, um I it was a little bit of a combo. Uh I I wasn't as bad off as Dave was um by throwing up when we got to the course. Dave actually kind of bummed me out uh when we got there because he's sitting there throwing up and um you know, we had, we were missing a, a one Bryce Graham for this tournament. And, uh, I was like, you know what, I'm going to bring Bryce's vibe to this tournament. And so I came in the parking lot blaring, we ready. And Dave was really the only one outside who I thought was going to be like the most hyped. And he was just like blowing chunks. So it did not affect <laughs> him at all. So I, I didn't I, even hear it, dude. I, <laughs> I yeah. heard you yelling but, um, at me. You're like some. You were yelling at me, and I was just like, uh, "Clint, I can't right now." <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, but I didn't come with uh, too much better there. I got about three hours of sleep, and um, you know, was possibly still hammered to start the round. Um, granted, the the first round went way better than the second i think the second was where i kind of hit a little bit of a wall if you will um and and uh yeah so anyway it was it was um a good pairing for kid and and miles to be against us uh i think that looking back we probably should have made some changes for uh alt shot um but I, uh, you know, we we didn't. And I thought that rolling with what we had was going to work really well. Um, looking back, I could have made some changes to my game uh, to help us out. And there was a couple choices I made that, um, you know, were just uh, subpar, if you will. Um, but yeah, it was it was fun. It was cool to see Miles kind of hop in there and 
uh, take charge um, with with not knowing anybody else's game, um, you know, and just jumping in and vibing out and, and playing some good golf. So that was just kind of cool to see him jump in and be able to do that. And that worked out good for kid in, the, in that match. And unfortunately, I ended up one and one for the day instead of two and oh, like I'm used to. <laughs> Yeah, this wasn't much of a duo if I'm saying how we're explaining this afternoon round, but uh, you know, yeah, Clint in the last two Ranger Cups, apart from the first one, the last two he's been undefeated. He was six and oh, or I guess five and oh, because Ranger Cup two was two rounds, not three. Yeah. And well, he, he came a, into this one a, leading, he had a draw in there. No, what I'm saying in Ranger Cup two, that was, there was two on rounds. The first God. one, Dave, sorry. In Ranger Cup 2, Clint went undefeated. In Ranger Cup 3, the three matches he went undefeated, making him 5-0. and He then won his morning match in at Ranger Cup 4, thus making him 6-0. and And I took it personally that, like, he still had this being a garbage golfer, and I had to <laughs> – I wanted to end it. And so I came into the afternoon round, one coming off of a, a bit of an ass-whooping from Jimmy – and and Mitch and was like we're we're not taking this laying down like I went into full overdrive and to Miles credit he was 100% down to be shepherded around any club I told him to put in his hand he was doing it any shot number I said was optimized or like what was the right thing to do he did it and if he missed it by a little bit we recovered and I was prepared for the miss it's like he was a perfect partner to be a vessel for my strategy and it worked to a T and also helped that I just played lights out too like just played really well, just was hitting all together from the second and third round. I, I don't think I missed a, a third, a par three green between Saturday afternoon to Sunday afternoon. I don't think I missed a par three green, like just ball striking was on point for the majority of the last two rounds. And uh, yeah, we managed to, to clinch it out. The only real major highlight I'll take away from it is on the last hole that uh, we were playing in our match. We were, we ended up winning it four and three, but on 15, uh, in the 15th fairway, uh, I asked Miles to lay it up to a short number because my stomach wasn't feeling well and I needed to go to the bathroom. I needed to end this. And like it, it came, it was coming out of pretty much nowhere. Like I had just eaten, I hadn't eaten all day. Like literally we were in a rush to go to the course. I hadn't had breakfast. I had peanut butter crackers throughout the entire day. And then I have a bite of trail mix from Dan's bag. And for whatever reason, it just did not sit well with my stomach being empty all day. And not more than three to five minutes later, it's just, just like started gurgling. I started feeling terrible and I felt like I had to shit my pants. And Dave can attest that like this can come at me hot on courses <laughs> and I need a, a place to vacate. And I there's nowhere to seek refuge on the course there. They had no bathrooms on the course besides the clubhouse. So I was like, oh shit, this is in my head. This is in my head. This is like, this is a factor. And Miles has been more or less consistent the entire day hitting his shots. Like everything's going to be fine. He It's a standard layup, 120 yards to be short of this creek. I'll have a flip wedge in. I'll put him in close. I will then go to the clubhouse because I trust he'll tap it into to a, a gimme distance and we'll win the match with a par on, on 15. And he proceeds to stand to the shot, get there, and hit his first dead shank of the day into the trees. Like one of the worst shots he's hit all day after being pretty much nails for me almost the entire day, his first squirrely one. And I think to myself, holy shit, I'm going to shit my pants out here. I have to hit this shot. 
I have to get through this hole. I can't like forfeit the hole. Clint's going to be a dick bag about this. And so, okay. okay. Imagine, imagine if kid did shit his pants. Clint, Clint would be, he would, they would have somehow won the match because of that. Oh yeah. So I am in the right trees. I mean, I'm more just saying this to be a joke. I don't think Clint would have been yeah. a dick bag about it. Like I need to check. Like, he would have weighed the hole. I'm just making a joke for the pod. But I'm in the right trees. I have 218 yards to the green after the shank. And I have two trees blocking me out with a slight window. That's probably, there's branches, maybe 20 feet, or probably more like 15 feet above it. Uh, Two trees that like kind of curl left to right, like in like kind of lowercase r's, but in the wrong direction. And you have to like curl it and with like a nice drawing hook to carry it like 200 yards and then carry on to the green. And I'm like, Miles, I don't know what to do here. I have to like stinger it into the hillside. You have to chip it up. He's like, no, nah, man, you can get out on the green. I'm like, dude, this is a very difficult shot. There's a, there's a bunker short side, right? I would have to like fly a, like a, like a super stinging four iron over that catch the very lip of the hill right to the left of that bunk bunker, and then skirt it onto the green for it to stop. I, I haven't hit that shot in like literally months. I'd never have to try it. I'm also, I also put AP ones in the bag. I used to play CBs. I will probably return to my CBs, but that shot isn't really in the bag with these clubs. You can't really shape it and fly it that way. It's like, nah, man, you've got it. And in my head, I'm like, you don't have time to deliberate this. You're going to shit your pants. <laughs> like you have to make a decision here. I'm like, all right, whatever, whatever. I, I have a four on in my hand and stand over the ball. I'm like, you have to like get close like deal off the fuck out of the club, finish with the lower leg, just try to fucking stinger the shit out of this. And I hit the best shot. I could have either hit out of that shot, do the perfect shot that we were talking about. It lands exactly where it is. I proceed to say, Miles, here's your clubs. I'm driving to the green. I'm going to the clubhouse. I then <laughs> drive fast to the, the, the green. I go to the, the clubhouse. I proceed to Jackson Pollock, their toilet. And then I come back to the green to tap in Jackson. the fifth putt. <laughs> I anyway, I get back to the green. Miles hits a stellar putt to like six feet, I think, right, Clint? Um, yeah, from like a, a good lag putt. He was like 35 feet away. He's he put it to six feet. It wasn't a gimme. I come back after just relieving myself. I get to the green. I walk up. Clinton, Dan, I think, missed their putt for par. They have a tap in for bogey. So I have to make the putt. No, no, you make a par. I have to tap in for uh, I have to make the par to push the hole, thus winning the match four and three. And I drain the six footer, a bleeder down, down the hill, left or right. And I proceed to not only not shit my pants, but also win on that hole. So that is the conclusion of my round. I'll then pass it off to Dave to go through his, his afternoon round Jeez. on Saturday. Well, I'll try to make it quick. Um, oh, just, just a quick little side note. Um, I did uh, happen to accidentally schedule this ranger cup on the same weekend as my cousin's wedding um and i did immediately have to go to the parking lot with an amazon um shower bag to you know get ready for my cousin's wedding which i did miss the entire um ceremony uh but i did make it in time for the reception and a party it was great okay but he thought you made it in time for the ceremony that that is is actually correct that's when i right after the ceremony it's like time for pictures and they were like all right g family needs to get in for pictures and i rolled up and i walked up and i gave him dabs and he was like dude you made it i was like i did 
And so, so like, did you oh just incriminate God, yourself right now on a pod? Oh, uh, like, there's no way okay. he's gonna. He's on his honeymoon. There's no way he's gonna listen to this. Anyway, well, and, and before we go to the Dave's round, uh, I, I I gave I was trying to give Clint an opportunity to say it, but Clint, I put something in the bag for that afternoon round. Do you want to speak to it at all? Oh gosh, damn! You know that actually could have been uh, part of why I was falling apart. Um, <laughs> Kid put in that stupid fucking um, Adam Scott like putter, and it's more like a DeChambeau putter. But either it's way, like stick. it's a dumb fucking thing that shouldn't even be allowed in a golf bag. And he and he was his sole purpose was to get in my head. And I don't want to say it worked, but it might have worked. Like you I said was, it worked when it happened. I was I was so on the verge of losing everything and I think that that was like the the extra little kick <laughs> to put me like so close to over the edge and every single time the thing that was the most frustrating was it was working for him like not in the sense of like me it was working for him cuz he was making putts so it was like a double down <laughs> Like, it was just a double fuck you, basically. Like, hey, I'm in your head, and I'm draining putts with it, so fucking suck it. And that just was so frustrating to me. <laughs> and, and and to think, too, like, it was for a bit. Like, I haven't putt with this thing since we had used it, like, three years ago. I hit well, three practice putts in the practice green before we teed off. Dave was super skeptical of me putting this thing into the bag right well, before the and- match. That's what was that's what was so hilarious because when you pulled it out and you you walked up, I said to Dan, I was like, "Kid's fucking dumbass thinks that this is gonna get in my head." Little does he know he's not gonna be able to putt with it for shit. And I was like, "It's not gonna affect me at all." And then you drained your first putt, which was like eight feet, and you drained it like dead center of the cup and i was like oh gosh this isn't gonna be good (laughs) and that was that was the start of the demise right there dude oh okay dave we can go into your round sorry um yeah i mean so it was me and mark again um you know we had come off a, a a stressful round just all around you know, Mark, I thought I was going into the first round having to be his like Sherpa and keep him grounded and stuff. And that first front nine, like, even though he was playing bad, like I was somehow hitting shots, but he was, I was like on the verge of losing it. Cause I was feeling like shit. And he was like, Dave, we're okay, man. Like we can do this. And I was like, dude, I don't know, man, this guy's a 16. He's a plane as a 16. This is bullshit. Like, like, on the verge myself anyways we've been vibing you know he's bringing me up i'm trying to bring him up and we're doing our thing so we're playing b and garen intentionally paired up with me as ryan mentioned uh i was expecting that i knew that was inevitable for me um i had vocally made it known um that he was playing well below his handicap he proceeded to hit perfect drives during the alternate shot. Um, me and me and Mark had to uh, just do our thing. We uh, we we didn't play awesome, but we we did just enough to get it done. We won two in 
two two up on 18 another match that went to 18 um and yeah it was uh really all i can take from that like i was so drained after the first round and that round took so fucking long i think it was like a five and a half hour round and i can't i really can't even remember a shot from that round like <laughs> it was just i was i was don't get me wrong i was zoned in and i was in the process but it was like i was blacked out like and it's I a long even, day it's a long and day I had, and i hadn't even drank like because i was feeling so bad i actually ended up having four Michelob ultras i think starting the front nine of the second 18 just because it was so damn slow like i was like i have to be doing something like i can't be just sitting here drinking water and being just not doing anything so yeah and uh i mean we had fun i i mean garen is a great guy i i enjoyed being with garen uh he really enjoyed our matchups as did i like it was a grind but it, they were good matches like we we thoroughly enjoyed ourselves um and uh yeah it, it was a lot of fun for sure uh but we eked it out we eked it out um and it, it was great so, you know, Dave clinches it. And so that means in the afternoon, it is a split. So uh, our team, Ryan's team, Fringe with Benefits, came out with two points in the afternoon. And Dude, Where's My Par, Clint's team, came out with two more points, ending the first day in a 6-2 uh, disparity, which means our team had to go into Sunday single matchups where there's eight matches and win six of them and push one of them. We could only give up one match loss and a half uh, a half on one of the matches to come out with the Ranger Cup uh at the end of the at the end of the weekend. So a huge mountain to climb and Ryan and I had to get strategic in terms of how we were going to approach pairings and Clint was taking his sweet ass time getting can, home can from I that say wedding. Something before going into this. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. I wasn't there for the pairing so I'd like to know kind of from each side how that went down especially Clint considering he had had the day he had and was partying at a wedding, and I don't know who was with him besides... I don't know who was with him to make these decisions besides himself. Jim, Jimmy and Mitch and Dan was, were there, right? Yeah. Well, Jim, it was Mitch more and... really just... Well, it was more really just Dan, but... Dan I mean, was Jimmy weighing and, in. Yeah, Dan was weighing in. Jimmy and Mitch... I mean, like, to my recollection, because this was pretty late in the night, and uh, I had been on two hours of sleep, and... 36 holes of golf and a wedding and partying. And so it was, it was a long one. Um, but yeah, Dave, I was, I literally almost came and woke you up. Um, because, but what was funny is at least the first two, I know, um, kid and Ryan like had their ideas of what I was going to say. And their first two. Dude, we, we predicted it almost exactly. On. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, anyway, um, it turns out even in my, uh, drunken state that, uh, I was able to make some, at least remotely close to halfway decent choices. Uh Oh, he'll be lost. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I was able to make, you know, a couple decent choices there. Um, but there was a couple that uh, looking back, I probably would have done a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, so it, we can but kinda, your, kinda your lead those. dog that 
your lead dog that you sent out was Dave to start it off the the crew on the first point. Ryan sent out <clears throat> Jeff, um, you know, who we knew was going to be steady um going into that that Sunday matchup. We then uh sent out Miles, who we had seen been playing pretty well. JT, you paired up with him, who had been playing pretty well too. Um, and then Ryan took on Mark, who we felt was a in, a relatively st- a strong player at his 18 handicap. We weren't sure how he was going to be able to play, knowing that Dave and him weren't going to be in the same car together. So he wouldn't have had that kind of, I'll call Dave a safety blanket to a degree for Mark. Um, so we felt like that was an easy, easy matchup for Ryan, given that respect. Nothing against Mark. We just felt that was going to be possible. Sam started playing better golf he's the uh in the afternoon winning his match we paired up him against garrett who we felt garrett to me is a guy who starts depreciating over the course of a ranger cup it seemed like throughout the day uh on saturday he started checking out in terms of how much he was felt compelled to just like compete (laughs) so we're like maybe he's gonna be checked out sunday we can throw sam out there who's been up and down in terms of his play um and maybe he can scrap out a point there we then sent out brandon versus mitch I had played against Mitch in a match on the practice round Friday, which was the same as the Sunday uh, course. And I felt like Brandon might be able to squeak out a point against Mitch there, um, seeing how he had played that. Then we had Garen, who Dave was raving about playing really well. We were waiting to hear Dan's name get called to send out Garen there. Actually, that's not true because we we did a swap. Um, Garen was actually originally scheduled to play Clint. We then did a trade of pairings. Uh, that we all agreed to having Clint play against Tim, who was paired against Dan, and then Garen yeah, was swapped me, from playing against. Tell me a little more about this trade of pairings because I don't. I, what is going on with that? It just didn't make sense. But how um, did that even happen? Like so we, the pairings were set, and then like what happened? Clint like, was terrified of Garen. Is what what happened? <laughs> When I was like, I'm going to get obliterated. And we're like, well, we can make them closer and have Dan against Garen and Tim against you. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And then in, in Ryan and I's mind, is like, we'd rather have two chances at relatively equal matches than have one that's going to be clearly a blowout because we can't have you win a match. So that was the reason why we wanted it. And then Clint, for his ego's sake, didn't want to lose to Garen. Uh, I, I wish Dan also actually, though, wanted to play against Garen. Yeah. I think he was definitely chirping a little bit. Like, yeah, I'll play him. Like, I'm ready. Well, and also, Dan – well, Dan was a little worried about it because of how Dave <laughs> talked about it. He was like – I he, he was like, I, I mean, I don't – but I was like, Dan, I'm telling you, Karen's going to fall apart. Like, he cannot sustain playing this well three days in a row. He's going to be on day three. He's going to drink. He's going to fall apart. He cannot sustain it. And – also, I knew after playing um, that course on Friday that you can't just go out and bomb driver every hole either, which is what, you know, Dave was sitting there saying was such a strong point of his game. So, um, like, I knew that Dan could hit an iron off the tee and play smart and likely be able to beat him, whereas myself, um, even though it turns out, like, if I could have played a couple holes a little smarter, um, I don't know. Who knows what would happen if I would have played Garen? Yeah, I, th- I think you well. could have very well beaten Garen because it sounded like from what Ryan uh, Dan said to me on the course is that it was a complete pillow fight. He said, I've never played such bad golf and still won a match. And so yeah. it sounds like Garen ran out of gas and whoever he was against Dave was not who he was on Sunday. And it, you know, 
that's golf sometimes with, you know, high handicappers, they show up out of the blue, get a bunch of pops and play really well. And then the next day they, they don't have it because he has had to play well for one day. And then Sunday in he his, didn't play well. In his defense, uh, none of his matches against us, he was getting pops. We were getting the pops. Uh, he w- Yeah, he was just still, playing. Still a high handicapper ball. that has a lot of pops that was offsetting some of your high pops. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that leaves in terms of the pairings, the final anchor match between myself and Jimmy. And look, me and Ryan knew this was coming. We knew that there was not really a clear way that we were going to avoid this as much as I felt like Jimmy was playing lights out. Everyone felt like he was the 800-pound gorilla in the, gr- in the room. Maybe Dave was thinking that it was possibly him too, but everyone was talking about how like Jimmy's playing lights out. He's like unbeatable right now. He, 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 like, we want this matchup. And let me say something at the, at the uh, dinner table, when we were in eating Mexican food Friday night, you guys were bickering back and forth about, I don't know who's a better golfer. We just heard a little bit about it. And I turned and I turned, let me just say, I turned to Dan and I go, if they're playing straight up right now, I'll put my money on kid. That's what I said. I know he's on the other team, but I was just talking to Dan and it was just dinner and whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, Christy was asking like who, like you're like, it was telling him like, you're a good golfer. And I agreed with him. Like, I'm like, Jimmy is a really good. Golfer. I told her like, Jimmy was like, no, I'm not a good golfer. I'm like, Jimmy, you're a good golfer. Like that, 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 like as far as recreational golfers are concerned, you're a good golfer. And I asked, I'm like, Ryan, he's a good golfer. Right. And then Ryan was like, yeah, he's like, he's like the second best player on his team. Like saying that like Dan was, was better than him. And then he's like, there's probably only three people here who are better than Jimmy. And I was like, who do you mean? You're like, you, me, and Dan. I was like, whoa. (laughs) No, that is not. I said he's in the top four. I didn't say that he's better than him. Because he's, I'm saying that you, me, Dan, and Jimmy were the four best at that table. I I did not rank them in order. Yeah, he didn't put it in order. He just said he's in the top four golf. Jimmy's better than me. I, I I don't want to dispute on a pod. I, I do believe and remember you saying something differently, but we don't have to dispute okay. that. And then we got transitioned to the point where I was like, because because the reason I say that is because I was like, I don't know if I would say that. I would say I'm a better golfer than Jimmy. And then like, that's when Jimmy had a, had a problem with it. He's like, what do you say? I'm like, Jimmy, if we played 20 times, you would beat me six of them. You have a, you have a high ceiling, but a low floor. I'm much more consistent than you. And like, I'm like, you can beat me without question. You can beat me. You've beaten me at shadow Glen recently. You beat you. Uh, I mean, he hadn't beaten me yet in the Ranger cup. But I'm like, you've beaten me in matches, but I, I, I'm a better golfer than you. Well, and- I think, I think that that lit the fire that was Jimmy for Sunday and hold, hold on. I, I can't have no, 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 no. we can't leapfrog this just yet because we have to go that's through why I, this is, that's why i brought this up though because that's so, what so, initiated the whole scenario so we, we yeah. it was a, it was a topic it was something that was spoken about the entire weekend more or less and people would say like more four separate people come to me like i can't wait like i hope you and jimmy get paired up against each other on sunday like it's gonna be great and in my head i'm like I was like, Jimmy's playing really well and I can beat Jimmy, but I'm like, if Jimmy, if we have to put a sacrificial lamb on Jimmy, or if we have to put Garen against Jimmy, cause he's playing lights out right now and he's going to have a better pop situation against Jimmy. And that's the right play. I'm like, Ryan, I want to do what we have to do to, to win. If you put me on Dan, I'm happy with that. If he's playing really well right now, like put me on whoever you think is like the right person. We try to strategize it. But as we were oh, listening yeah. to, we, cl- we learned that last year with me, I was very adamant in getting Pete and that, fucked us we could have 
strategize better and and uh you know put put guys that we thought were gonna win matches over but yeah i thought i was invincible i wasn't and yeah i'll stop with that yeah so you know we were trying to strategize the best thing that we could do to win the ranger cup so we were trying to do that but we were we were it was clear from the start that clint was doing everything in his power to make sure that me and jimmy were paired against each other on sunday to get that showdown and and we got it and I'll, I'll i'll leave it there until we actually get to that matchup because there was an entire set of singles that happened before us and we were the anchor match so dave you were the first one off clint we can talk to your match jimmy ryan we can talk to your match and we'll try to leave the rest of them you know into the ether for right now but dave i'll toss it to you um so i was in the first group off in the day um it was me against jefe and miles against jt um jefe I had played against him in the first match, the scramble. Um, he did not have the same game come Sunday as he did Saturday morning. Um, he just didn't have his stuff. Uh, I didn't have my best stuff either, but I managed to, especially after playing the course on Friday, knowing what holes to do what, I think helped me out a little bit. I did manage, especially on one hole that I... Uh, Whatever that dog leg less left is early, it's a par five. It's like a you know a two hundred two thirty yard layup, or if you want to cut the corner with the driver, you can. I was like, yeah, we're yeah. just gonna lay up here. I I hit a hybrid the first day. I hooked it left. It was still fine in the trees. I punched out and made par that day, or no, I made bogey. It should have been a par, and I was like, okay, that wasn't that bad. I'll I'll lay up again. I was like, I had been hitting my driver pretty well. Like I had some bad holes, but pretty well over the Ranger cup. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to send a high cut over these trees and I'm going to have a fucking pitch wedge in. And, uh, <laughs> it was bad. It fucking bounced off a tree, ended up fucking way over, like to the right of the course. Like it was horrible, but yeah, it was, it was not good. Um, I ended up shooting a 90. I beat him, I think five and four or four and three or something like that. He, he didn't have his best stuff. I've seen Jeff play better. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was, uh, I just was playing better, better than him with our handicaps and stuff like that. It was, the writing was on the wall pretty much on the, you know, right before the turn. So, so a after your, after your match, that's the one match that you guys needed to win. And now all you just had to do is push a match. The next two matches proceed to go our way. We win one, we win one, and then we eventually get to Sam's match that goes all the way to 18, you push the match. So group four, it was theoretically decided, but at that point, I don't know how many people actually knew on, on the course, at which point we then get to match five, which is near and dear to my heart because it's against B and Mitch, and we were behind their group the entire time. And Clint, you can speak to this, but on the third hole, we got behind them on a par three to find a lone golf cart, just hang out on a cart path. And we didn't really understand why that was happening. And we proceeded to try to take the golf cart up to the group to be like, hey, you guys forgot your golf cart because you topped it and you walked to the green. Only realized, oh shit, where's Mitch on this hole? I don't see Mitch anywhere. Where did Mitch go? And we realized that he had solicited the help of some neighboring homes to shit in their bathroom <laughs> because he too was having some stomach issues in the course. So uh, I was like, what? Going? Honestly, we what were good we Samaritans. If a random person came up to me and was like, Hey, can I use your bathroom? I have to shit my brains out. It's like, Oh my, like what, what do I do in this situation? 
I, without I do our... believe that there was a party going on. Like, There's there people were... in the backyard. There wasn't a yeah. party. Yeah. There was like four people but outside. They were having. <laughs> I, I remember noticing them like laughing and having a good time. Obviously, um, that's amazing. It was. Well, we were joking with them because when we figured out what was going on, um, but we, you know, we were, I, I don't remember what was said, but it was something to the extent of, sorry, he's from Louisiana. Like we can't, we can't necessarily vouch for him. But anyway, like that was just a hysterical situation that even had the balls to like, roll up there and just be like hey guys um i'm kind of having a little bit of an issue you care if i shit in your bathroom like it's kind of wild i 100 percent would shit in the woods before i would ask a stranger if i could go in their house i know undoubtedly i would sacrifice my towel on my bag yeah i'll just go in there and get it done i would not be going up to people in their backyard and being like hey i'm gonna blow your bathroom out right now and as someone yeah, who have- has as someone who has had to shit in the woods at a course and use their towel, I will fully say I would rather go up to a stranger and ask, hey, I'm in a tough spot right now. Would you be willing to let me use your bathroom right now? There's not any bathrooms on this course. It's not very convenient for golfers. And if they say yes, great. If they don't, they'd be like, cool. Do you have like a tall tree somewhere around your backyard that I can use? <laughs> Hold on. There's no way you're the only person on this pod that shit on a golf course in the woods i don't believe it uh, i know well, that's true know cause, for a fact, cause, yeah because ryan has shit the <laughs> you shit in the woods out near the the, the par three course near my house the, the, the yeah the nine holer i actually i wasn't going to call up the course I, for their own dignity but you once again have to say things you shouldn't be saying on this pod ryan i, I just it's fine they're not listening <laughs> they're not listening i it's a first t organization say, there's kids out there there were not at the time i can assure you I I personally haven't um, done that, but I did see Keith Steinbeck shit his pants one time, like actually shit his pants, and then full name, to- full name, on the <laughs> just doxing him. No one's safe. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah to God, you guys are in, you guys are the worst today. Jesus, Dude, he, I'm sorry. He took his underwear off, kept him in the woods, and then used his golf towel and left it out there too. So that uh. That was it happens, that, man. That's life. Yeah, yeah. Life of a golf. And I imagine you know, there's there's probably more, but anyway. All right, Clint. How about we? So we've done, and then Garen and Dan T. You play. We already got got through how Garen kind of lost his game that he had for the first day, and 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 they end up losing two and they, you guys end up winning two and one. Are we just team. skipping my matches altogether? Where is your name on here? I don't even. I'm see in the you. second matchup. Oh yeah, you were. I think you were gone because we talked. We just breezed over. We breezed okay. over you winning your two matches. I mean, but uh, yeah, go ahead. You can speak to it. I'll give y'all a real quick highlight. Uh, Mark, wait, was what do you mean a... winning your two matches? I we... won my match. Oh, Sam, the two matches after his. Dave, we won in a row. Yeah. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, right. yeah. So, uh, Mark was having a real tough time out there uh he was battling the slices as a drawer of the golf ball that's a a tough time um i had learned my lesson from the day before and was decided to play really smart golf um i knew giving him 13 strokes was going to be a lot but we could eke it out as long as we you know 
make good decisions. Um, and I hit the ball pretty well, had a couple mistakes, but in general, just had what it take to, uh, to get done. And then Sam was in my match. His match with Garrett was a real battle, um, that ended up in a push. Um, I don't think Sam had given strokes to Garrett before they play together all the time, but don't usually play handicapped. He didn't love that, but he battled back and, uh, really stuck it to him. And then, Garrett hit a dead shank on 18 with driver. Like I'm talking, this ball went straight left. It did not go forward and then eked out a five for four to win the hole and push the match. It was no, no, no. He's a righty. And he like almost hit the ball between his legs. Like, Well, you said a dead shank and it went to the left. So it tripped me out. I know that's, I don't know how it was possible. Uh, but the ball went straight behind him. He must have him. really flipped the, the head of him. Yeah, he rolled it over. It was like off the hosel. It almost went OB on 10. Like that's how far left this went. Yeah. And then he hit three wood all the way up to the edge of the fairway by the creek, hit his chip up, and then had the, the two putt to save the five for four. And uh, it was incredible. It, it it was a brutal way for, for Sam to push a hole. Um, or to lose the hole and push a match because um, he really did battle back. He was down three, I believe, at one point um, and battled it all the way back. We got to the point where I was like, all right, if you win the next five holes, you'll win the match by one. And uh, he almost pulled it off. So really dueled it out. It was fun match to to watch between those two. Nice. Uh, Clint, you want to speak to your – you were in the the final anchor pairing with <laughs> with Jimmy and myself. You, you played against Tim. You want to go through your I match did. a little bit? Yeah, I, um, you know, I took a little bit of a different approach um, after hole one. Um, I did, I did take a driver on hole one and managed to just barely get saved by a tree to keep it in bounds. And I made the executive decision. I looked at Jimmy. I said, "Hey." should I keep the driver in the bag? Because uh, this course doesn't really bode well for that um, going right or um, just in general, because I can't, you know, make it do what I want it to do. And he said, yeah, yeah, you should. So anyway, um, I happened to win hole one, uh, went on to push hole two. um, And then Tim, took me on a par three uh, and then I had four back to back to back to back blow up holes where I literally maxed out my handicap. Like I had a, I had a nine, 10, nine, nine um, on four back to back holes. Like some of the worst holes consistently of golf I've ever played. I've never ever as bad as I am at golf had that many back-to-back holes. So Tim um, went from being one down to being four up. Um, and so I had that going on, uh, going into eight. Um, I switched it up and I got my game right. And I was able to take two back on eight and nine. So went down, one down. Uh, going into the back, um, was able to claw back after being four down, if you will. Um, 
immediately lost on hole 10 to go two down. Um, and then I was able to, to kind of keep it together. Hole 11. Um, I, I bogeyed a par five by like a quarter of an inch. I should have parted it, but bogeyed a par five. Um, and, uh, was able to beat Tim straight up on that hole, uh, got back within one, got to even at one point, and then we kind of went back and forth with one. Um, anyway, long story short, went to 17 with uh, being one down, and 17, there's some water that you have to get over, and it's actually a pretty decent distance to get over that water. Um, Par five, got out the driver for the first time uh, since hole one, and that turned out to be a mistake. Um, and went OB right, and that essentially turned out to seal my fate. I was hoping to be able to win that hole to take it to 18 to hope for a push because I obviously didn't want an L. But um, Tim ended up taking it on 17. It was a little depressing. Um, I will say I played five of the worst back-to-back holes of my life um, to allow him to get the lead that he did. Um, but also changed a couple things with my swing. And, uh, well, not really, just more like kind of getting a little bit of a hitch and not taking driver off the tee and I was able to play a lot better golf overall as a whole. Um, but because of those blow up holes, I still had one of the worst rounds of my life technically, but no big deal. Yeah. I mean, you, neither of you guys brought your complete a game to that Sunday match, a little bit of a, a pillow fight here and there. And I've got to say, <laughs> T- Tim plays his matches so differently than I do. He he couldn't be more unencumbered with strategy or decision making. He's just kind of like moseying along, kind of doing his thing. And uh, I, I I've I've realized early on in Ranger Cups that Tim does not do well with like telling like being instructed or like taking any sort of like uh, you know our cart was not about like helping each other with our matches. It was very much like just let them do their thing. Uh, he didn't even really like it when I would hype him up. He, he would almost like diffuse when I was hyping him up. He's like, yeah, yeah. And I, I like, he, he would almost like dismiss the hype, but I'd be like, okay, man, I'll just not talk to you <laughs> for most of this round. But uh, at the end of the day, he got the job done and we needed it. And, and Tim and I were operating as if our matches meant everything. And we, as far as him and I knew, we didn't know the Ranger cup was over until the 17th hole. Um, when people had come back to us on, on the, Dave was the first one to return to our group. And pretty much, I think I, either Dave or somebody else had informed us on that hole that like, I, it, it I was didn't over. know, I didn't know then. So we had already hit our shots in 17. We were deep in the 17 before we had realized it was, it was, it was over. Um, so me and Jimmy were the anchor match in this Ranger cup. You guys have already heard all the things that were hyping up into it. It was a long awaited thing. Jimmy was playing really well. We had had our, you know, Tex-Mex spot kind of uh, discussions. And uh, obviously, Jimmy was the most focused he's probably ever been on a golf course. This was, I think, to him, the most important match that he's 
probably played or at least I can't speak to his high school days, but like it was the most fired up and or like grindy I've ever seen Jimmy and the most like involved in the match I had, I had ever seen. Um, he I proceeded can to get definitely a- attest to that. Like the dude was on a mission, like without a doubt. I, I'm not going to go through every hole because that would be brutal, but there are several, I think, key holes that are worth calling out. Um, the first hole was no exception. Uh, Jimmy took his fire, four iron out like he has with almost at least 13 of the holes that day or like 11 of the holes that day was very disciplined, which was a smart decision for him. He hits it really far. I don't think he hits it as far as he says he hits it, but he hits it really far. Um he got, he got a bad break on number one. It went into one of those shitty little lies that you find just off of the fairway in like kind of like a, a dirty little mud patch that like is firm, but there's like grass around it. And he had to like punch it up and ended up going into a greenside bunker. I had gone driver off the tee. I had a flip wedge in, but I was like, all right, let's make a smart decision. Let's not try to over club ourselves or like under club ourselves and try to get cute. So I'm just going to take like a soft sand wedge and get up there, proceed to blade it. I'm like, oh, that's not good. We don't like to do that. And uh, I proceed to like, he Jimmy hits a decent one out to the far edge of the green from the, the green side bunker. Um, I end up hitting a, I get bone behind a tree in number one, like literally behind a tree. I have to punch out left of the flag to get onto the green. It's like a two shot penalty to behind that fucking tree. I proceed to, to, to two putt from there to get, or a three putt from there to, to, to double the first hole and give him the hole back. So like a complete blow up hole for me, like a complete tone setter. Jimmy now has a one up lead and we go into the second hole and I'm like, all right, one hole, whatever, like we'll, we'll turn around this hole. We'll be fine. We proceed to be come up on two groups on the second T T box, one group just driving off and another one on the T box. We're like, oh shit, this is going to be a long fucking round. So had a lot of time to kind of go through this, get prepared. Second hole immediately, immediately ready to shift, immediately ready to turn this thing around. Jimmy, blows his drive right on the par five, then has a punch one up left and then hits a terrible shot from the left side of the rough. That's going like 95 miles an hour and then hits a lip of a bunker pops up in the air, checks up and stops on the back edge of the green. That thing was either getting plugged in the bunker or going 60 yards over. It gets like a miraculous break, like an insane break. He, I then have a, uh, I'm on the green in regulation. I have a putt for birdie about six and a half feet. And I don't know if Clint has his headphones in right now because he's away from his camera, but I hit a putt uh, and, and uh, I hit a putt that you <laughs> hooks on the low side of the hole with like dead grass on the side and sits up above <clears throat> the hole, like a half an inch from staying into the cup, like misses the birdie. And then Jimmy makes his four footer to save the par and push the hole. Like the most insane uh, break and a horrible break for me, like just, was- just the fucking worst. It was wild because um, if the like cup or the cut for the cup would have been the way that it should be, um, that that putt undoubtedly would have gone in the hole. Literally where he lipped out, it had kind of broken over in a little like, you know, like almost like you took a router um around the, the area that he actually lived out of it was like any other time it would have dove in but it literally rode the edge and just lipped out i mean kid was flabbergasted it was it was actually fun to watch because 
Um, obviously, I was rooting against him, but I I genuinely felt bad for him because I was like, dude, that was garbage. Like, I I mean, in any other circumstance, that would have fallen. So I could I could see the disdain, and I was I was uh, sympathetic to it, but at the same time, internally glad. Yeah. So I mean, two holes back to back, like really tough breaks. One self inflicted. And one just like two combinations of shitty breaks. Jimmy getting an insanely lucky break and then me getting an insanely unlucky break on the same hole. So it kind of feels like I am I am two down, even though I'm only one down because we pushed that hole, when I should be two up. And it, it was just brutal. Uh, but that's okay. Like that's golf. I per- persevered through. I was I, I kept an even keel. I went to the par three stuff that one pretty good on the green for the world's smallest green on the planet, that number three green, like insane, crazy. Yeah. Me, me and Jimmy both hit it like a hundred percent credit to Jimmy. Like he shot 95 on that course on Friday and he played pretty good in our match. Like I would say him and I both brought basically our B or B plus game to that match. And it was more about mental than it was like execution out there that day. And it's not the best condition course to like really flare out and bring your a game. Yeah. To you can you can hit a bad shot and end up or you can hit a good shot and end up in a bad lie on that course 100 percent. happened it happened to me multiple times yeah yeah so i'll i'll just skip over the next several holes and just skip to seven but i will say that like jimmy played steady golf i had a blow-up hole on four as well so solid on three then four i had a blow-up hole where i didn't feel like I made any bad decisions. Clint, if you remember, I had that hard pan lie for my par th- my after my three would hit. When I had thin. a sand wedge, I had a I had a sand wedge into it, and it was that hard packed dirt. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's deal off the sand wedge. Let's make sure we don't and like let let's get ball first and let it go. And I was I couldn't use the bounce because it was such a hard ground, or else it would pop up, and it just it just bladed into the shit. And then yeah. I was like, oh shit, that's not good. And then basically that hole is out there. So I had two <laughs> blow up holes in the first four holes and I had to just basically put that behind me and like keep marching with the match forward down two. I then that play really, a... go ahead. I was in. just going to say that was a frustrating one for you because Jimmy got relief <laughs> on that hole as well. And, uh, and then you had that hard pan lie. So when you thinned it, you were like, of course. No, Jimmy no, no, no. You're thinking of a different. I... You're thinking of a different hole, Clint. I'll get to that one here in a second. This is number four. This is the one where oh, you and I both went that yeah, little yeah. like weird creek thing with the tree. Um, yep, 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 yep. We'll, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to seven here in a second. Okay, um, that's the one. Yep. Yep. So then I continue to play steady golf with Jimmy after that point. Um, we get to hole seven where it is the straight par four with some houses on the right, but it's just with them trees in the in the corner. Jimmy hits another four iron. It leaks right. And I was like, stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up, stay left. Just like to keep it from going into that bunker to the right of the fairway. And he ends up kind of leaking over that way. Plant, you're giving me a weird luck. We'll get to it in a second. And then um, I pipe a drive down the middle and like hit a perfect one to have like 80 yards in. We get up to Jimmy's ball and it is sitting on like this crested weird fucking hill between the fairway and what is or was a bunker and from what tim had told us in the group is that people had been playing it as a ground under repair area because there had been weeds growing in the bunker it was mostly grass and it was on the right side of the fairway i was in no mindset to like fight people on this i was just locked into my own game number seven right 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah, seven. I brought that up to you about br- me and Brandon brought that up to you be- after Friday's round specifically because we were. No, curious. you guys brought up the casual water on 13 to me on whether or not the ones that had grass growing it, if that you could pull from casual relief. No. No, it's. Funny. I do. I do remember. Um, I think Jimmy somehow remembered that as well because he mentioned it on that hole. Tim, Tim did. Tim mentioned oh, okay. it. Okay. Okay. That I that all to be said, I didn't dispute anything. I gave him the casual relief from the the waste area, despite not even being in the casual relief waste areas. It was on the hillside between the fairway and the casual relief waste area. But I let him take the drop. And then he proceeds to hit it, I think, just on the back edge of the green with a good shot. He was like 144 yards out. I drive up to my ball. It is in the fairway, but in a, another hard pan set of dirt. The exact same scenario again. And I make the mistake of doing, trying to do the same thing, but trying to learn from my mistake by not trying to deal off as much and try to attack it, but instead taking a smoother, slower swing and just trying to kind of pop it. And essentially the same thing happens again. And in my head, immediately after impact, I just thought, you fucking idiot. You should have just hit an eight iron, punch it up there. I get that you're 80 yards out, but just like take the percentage play. So made another fuck up there and <clears throat> didn't hit a good one. Actually ended up hitting it into the back, uh, like kind of like brushy area past the rough. Um, Jimmy hits it to a decent spot. And I'm pretty much in the mindset like, dude, how does this fucking keep happening to you? How does like, he get a casual relief from a bad tee shot with a four iron and like you hit a perfect drive and you're like, fucked. That's golf. That sucks. But don't, I didn't quit on the hole and I ended up chipping from that shit on top of the hill from the bad white wispy area. I then up chipping it close to like three feet. I put that in and then Jimmy ends up three putting. So we actually pushed that hole from me being in like in the shit. We then go to the eighth hole. We both par the par three and then we get to nine and nine Clint, we're going to get through it. I need you to just hold your fucking horses. Um, Jimmy has now gotten two insane breaks. The the bunker on two and the what I will call like a lucky break with a waste area that we didn't really know you could get casually from until Tim had said it. And like we weren't nobody was playing for that waste area. And he was asking if he could. He didn't know that he could. So like that was the situation. So we both felt like that was a lucky break. And we get to nine. And I rip a drive and it is starting out on the left and it's cutting back toward the fairway and it nips the, just the, the tiniest right-hand corner of a tree and it just shoots right. And to us, it kicked right across the fairway, like into the shit to the right. And to me, I'm like, that is the shittiest break in the world. That is so par for the course for, for me right now. This is ridiculous. Like in my head, this was like sort of like when you are trying to hit a punch shot, you hit a perfect one. And it just guides a little bit too high and it catches that branch that just is right in front of you as it's trying to leave the trees and it gets kicked straight down. I'm like, that's just, I hit such a good shot. It's such a terrible break. And then we drive up there and we're like looking around the right rough, can't find it. And then Jimmy drives further up the fairway and then finds my ball like further up, like a decent bit further up. Cause I, I, I remember the drive. It just, instead of it shooting far across the right, it actually was like kicking like off the, it deflected forward. And like off of the side more than it had been like kicked to the side and Clint and Jimmy lose their shit. Like it was the luckiest break in the world. Like it's crazy that happened. It shouldn't have happened. And I'm of the mindset. It's kind of like the break where you clip a tree on the way out of it and it kicks straight down and it keeps running forward. Like 
you can look at it one way or another, but I'll, I'll, I'll own that it was a semi-lucky break in the sense that it could have gone worse to the right. It also could have missed the tree by one more inch to the right. That's besides the point, though. Like, let's then get to where that ball finished in the fairway, Clint, which was in essentially rough in the middle of the fairway. That ball was sitting <laughs> in, under so much grass, like you wouldn't have even, like, I think anyone on this call would have lost their shit if they found their ball where they I found mine in the middle of the fairway. Like it was deep and just rough in the middle of the fairway. By so, by deep, the ball was the top of the ball was even with where the grass was. Granted, it was it was be, it was below it the grass. Be. It was below the it was below the tops of the grass. So Bam, I want to either way. Um, y'all have pointed out now like four times some condition issues. I made a point standing on the first tee. I said no one should get fucked if they hit a good tee shot in the fairway and this course is in awful condition. So we played the ball up in the fairways because I was like, there's no fucking way you should get punished like you've mentioned now four times. Like, so we we were adjusting. Lives it's just, it's just been three so far. It's just been three. And look, that, at the end, at the end. Smart way to go about that, Ryan. Yeah, I, exactly. At the at the end of the day, like to me, I needed to make better decision making off of those hard paying lies. Like, and and to me, I just try to get too cute with some of my decisions. And I own the blow up holes. Like that that wasn't the right decision making. Golf, you get bad breaks. Your partner gets good breaks. That shit happens. And when I say your partner, you get good breaks. Sometimes what happened after I hit that shot from the fairway is unbelievable. And Clint, just hold on for a minute. I will say I for where no my ball was in the rough for, for, for what I was sitting in the rough, I hit one of the best five irons I could have hit in that scenario. Absolutely pured it. It was without question. If it started where I wanted it to start and it did, and it had the flight that it should have had, if it was sitting in the fairway, it would have hit the middle of the green. It was going to be perfectly fine. Instead this ball that I hit with a five iron comes out knuckly, like a fucking heater knuckle out of this rough. And it is just curling right to left toward a green side tree on the, on the uh, just left of the hole where there is a bunker between that tree and the green. And I just think to myself, fuck it's knuckling. I can't believe this. Like just cause the entire front nine has been like these crazy shitty breaks and it hits this tree it jumps over the bunker and it nestles to like two and a half, three feet. And it was the break to finally make up for the shitty breaks I've had so far. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, number two never happened. You got an insanely good break on number nine. And like, that could have been way worse. The golf gods are trying to even the score and, and things are, 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 are turning your way. And Jimmy on that hole proceeded to make, he was very frustrated based on what he had seen from me and based on what ha happened there. But I'll I'll go as far as to say, Clint, he made it the wrong decision off of the tee that never really gave him a chance in that hole. Like, do you agree? I could agree with that. I could agree with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy decided to hit a, a four iron off of the longest par four on the course, the number one index hole with no chance of hitting the green. Like he hit a perfectly fine four iron. We said we he smoked it. It was a great shot. He then had like 270 into the into the green with water short. He never gave himself a chance. 
to get there in two. And that was a decision error that he made. He then tried to get too aggressive with his layup and got himself boned behind a tree. So like Jimmy's been playing great decision golf the entire time, like getting a couple breaks, but at the end of the day, like he would be vehemently staying by. He's been playing good golf. And I agree with him hundred percent. That's why he was two up at this point in the match. And yeah, he it, does. Cause he, it was, he, it was like three, three thirty to the water, maybe. Well, I remember was, that hole too, because I, I was trying to strategize and it's a narrow fucking tee shot on that hole. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to hit driver here, but with how long it is, I have to hit driver here. So yeah, I hit driver exactly. and I just tr- hit a good, I tried to hit a good shot. I ended up, I did hit a good shot, but I ended up in a shit lie, which is yeah. far for the course, but yeah. But Jimmy could have hit his three wood. He hits his three wood really far. He would have been fine if he had hit a three wood. Four iron was the wrong choice. He put himself in a bad position to have to lay it up. He pressed the issue and he ended up hitting a bad one. He then hit the tree and ended up short. And then he, after my two breaks and me being close, he basically was mentally out of the hole. I ended up winning the hole. And I think that could have been mentally out of, I think that could have been the start of the mental break. Fucking say it. Don't you fucking say it. No, that's not even close to true. Like, Jimmy went to proceed to win the 10th hole right after it. I pumped a, a, a drive into the trees. He was right back to where he was two back up. Like that was not anything like he had been gifted. Number two, he was confident after number 10, he was back in the driver's seat. He was normal. Jimmy at that point. I would, I would venture to say that the lucky break somehow got in his head more than you think it did, but that's just because I was sitting in his car. But I'm not I'm not trying to take away from you. You seem incredibly game. qualified to say that you got that that would get in his head. That doesn't seem I, like an unreasonable thing. I'm I'm just saying, like, I'm not trying to take away from like what his, what his demeanor did after. not his I'm just I he, maybe he has a decent right. poker face, kid. Well uh, driving like, driving the whole ten, I can tell you that what what got in his head about that break was a lot more than you got to see. I can tell you that. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll get to this later, but this is part of a narrative that I find very frustrating, but we'll, we'll keep going forward. Um, 10, I hit a bad drive. I end up doubling the hole. Jimmy hits a murder drive. Perfect <laughs> par. Excellent golf from Jimmy back to two up. We get to 11 it's a par five. Jimmy once again takes four iron, hits it into the water. I then hit a perfect three wood, have a great shot in. Jimmy then drops his four iron, then pumps it, what we think is into the trees. And this is a, a hole where I feel like David would want to be hearing, but he's now away from the mic. Jimmy then proceeds to concede the hole after hitting his second shot to what we think is in the trees. I then like fuck around, hit a shot after I like, I'm like, Hey, like oh, this hole's over. I'm just going to hit a fun shot, like driver off the deck three wood to like, like just fuck around, try to hit the green from where I'm at. I then go up there. I hit the shot. I start driving up to the hole, moving on to the next hole. And then Jimmy finds his ball and then wants to then reverse the concession and then have me go back into the fairway and hit my it shot sucks. and move on the hole. Here, Here's the thing, Ryan. I do it. I say, fine. We'll replay the hole from where it was. I don't what? even give him grief about it. I don't even give him grief about it. I'm like, sure, I'll go back and do it. I understand that's a tough break. You shouldn't have conceded the hole, but I, I understand it. Like, that's fine. I'll go back to the ball and I play it straight. I, I, I play it normally. I even hit a bad layup shot, have a tough chip to get onto the green. I save it. I beat him on that hole. Like, 
That is your chip. Your chip save was actually huge because you had to keep it low under a tree and it had to check up like every part about your your save right there was really good. Um, Jimmy missed an opportunity there. The only thing that I'll say in his defense on that whole situation, granted, he was playing after a drop, so he was hitting three for his second shot. But the only thing that I will say is that it did look like it went into the woods and you were further up than we were. And we said, did that go in the woods? And you said, it looked like it did. So like that, he was thinking, okay, my ball's in the woods. I'm going to have to drop a second time. I'm conceding the hole when we go up and it was in wide open territory. He was like, Hey dude, I mean, like, can we, say that this is not yeah. a conceded hole i mean like it makes sense and anybody else probably would have played it the same way and asked for the same thing i i want to be in jimmy's defense a little bit there i get it you just have to you can't say i concede the hole uh, unless you concede the hole like there's well, you don't have to say it until you get up there like, i guess i guess we should have gone to i guess we should have gone to look yeah. for it before he said it he was yeah. just frustrated because he had already taken a drop and that's two drops and then blah, blah, blah. But I yes, yeah. I agree. I agree. You could have gone and looked for the ball, but in his defense, kid also said, yeah, it looked like it was in the woods. Like it looked like it went into the woods is what right. I, is what I Which, said. Yeah. That yeah. all being said, Clint, I didn't fight you guys on it whatsoever. I, between I the ground under, between the ground under repair relief, as well as that, that scenario there, I gave no pushback. I was completely like conciliatory with every request I said, that came I said, in. I said I agree. I said look, I agree. I'm prefacing this for as we continue to go forward. Like I have been in the face of getting beat on several holes. I am obliging to the requests of an unconventional match with Jimmy in terms of the way that he proceeded to play the hole. Like it, it it's not fair to compare it to the Ryder Cup. But if that were the Ryder Cup, they would have lost the hole. But I understand, and I went back because that's what I felt the spirit of the game you know, like deserved. I ended up winning that hole. We then play the par three. I then stuff it and backspin it to like five feet from the hole. Jimmy pumps one left and is um, is basically unplayable. Not unplayable, but he didn't play a very good shot after, was out of that hole with a bogey. Up up there, we proceed to go back and forth for several holes. I get some really sh- like tough, like I hit some bad shots. I get in some tough spots and I keep grinding out pars and bogeys to save and push matches with Jimmy. I hit some long putts in Jimmy continues to play really nails golf off the tee, hitting his four iron in good spots, playing great tee to green, like keeping the mat, the holes competitive. And I'm kind of just scrambling and staying in it and staying alive and just kind of being a nuisance. And by this point we're on 12 through 14, the match is completely square and we then get to, uh, 15 which is the uh par four hard dog leg left hole and both jimmy and myself hit great drives he cuts the trees with a four iron i uh hit a three wood up to the the right side of the fairway and we both have roughly 100 yards in um uh and i end up winning that hole and between uh, on, on my approach, I stuff it to about maybe 15 feet and Jimmy does what he had been doing kind of routinely throughout the day. He kept hitting his approach wedges long of the greens, just kind of overshooting the number, overpuring his clubs, kind of de-lofting too much and sending them over the greens. And he ends up just kind of ping-ponging back and forth with chips. And all of a sudden I'm one up 
And this is like Jimmy's breaking point because I'm staying in the match. I'm staying alive. I'm making putts. I'm making recovery shots. I'm coming from different places and it's pissing him off. And what just in the whole, this, kid? this is 15, but just yeah. in the whole prior, I made a, uh, a solid par save or I'm sorry, a solid bogey save from after having to drop from a leaf being pinned on the trunk of a tree short of the trees, like stuck where I could have, I couldn't get a club on it because I wasn't left-handed and I had the drop and I end up saving bogey from punching a three iron up to the green and Jimmy ends up three putting. And Jimmy is a great guy. I love playing golf with Jimmy. He's a stiff, he's like, he's a really good player, but this was clearly the most intense match for him in terms of like emotion, because he proceeded to do something I've never seen Jimmy do. And he full blown stingers his golf ball in the green and nearly hits me in the face with it because he missed a shorty, like just full blown, just like full back hits the ball pops up. And it's like two feet from my face and nearly hits me in the eye. Like this dude is completely starting to deteriorate. And on the next, on the next hole, he then hits that perfect four iron that we, I just talked about. I hit a good three wood. We do our approach and he starts ping pong his, his, uh, his chip shots and he loses the hole. And while he's ping ponging his wedge shots, I'm helping Clint with a bunker shot. Remember like you move the, the, the rocks out of the way and you're like, Hey, what can I do here? Can I move these rocks? Can I move out the sand here for you to hit that shot for that dogly left par four? Do you remember that Clint? Yeah. Yeah. And Jimmy then throws his wedge at the cart and nearly misses me there too. It's like, it lands like three feet from me on the ground. Like the dude is catatonic on, on the course. He's losing it. He's losing And it. I think if anyone else was playing with them, they would have tried to fucking fight him. He was being so ridiculous on the golf course. Like nearly hits me twice and is losing his shit. Like I was out of this world, losing his shit. Heavily to calm him down. Um, there because he was yeah he was a little a little out of control and i was like dude you gotta fucking chill out i was like i like this this isn't over we have three more holes to go like you're you're still in this like if you keep that up like you're not gonna be able to recover here you've got to get that fucking craziness out dude you gotta you gotta get that mindset gone. Yeah. And, 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 and I don't want to misconstrue what happens next because I, I feel like there's a narrative building that like he completely broke down mentally and he couldn't hit a golf shot anymore. And he was out of it. And that's not really the case on the next part three, he pures a nine, but he had been doing what he had been doing all day and he had pulled it left and it had gone long and it went in the water that horseshoes around that par three. Mm-hmm. And that was not the decision. Like you had to hit a safer shot toward the middle of the green, knowing that if you're going to pull it, it's going to go into the water. So that's just a bit of a tough spot to be in decision-making wise. And he ends up having to be just short. He's actually not completely in the water. He's like in the weeds next to the green and he ping pongs back and forth for the chips there too. Like once again, he wasn't out of the hole yet. He was just put himself into a difficult position with a miss that he had been doing for most of the day. And then- the only thing I will say in his defense on that one was like his original shot, actually, even though it was a little left, like it, it did bounce and look like it stayed up. So I think that that was part of the problem with his reaction on that hole as well, because what did I say on the T though? What did I say on the T though? I'm like water wraps around back there. Like that's not safe over there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, 
the fact that um, that was in my mind, one of the scariest holes out there. Um, and I was able to stay up and Jimmy wasn't is kind of wild in itself. That's shocking. And, yeah. So at hard. that point I then go two up on the match with two to play. And I had been down the entire day. It had never gotten more than two down, but I was down for the entire day. And I thought to myself, I bet you Jimmy hasn't been down the entire Ranger Cup until this point. I don't know if you guys were ever up on a hole when you played them in alt shot, but I would just realize I'm like, Jimmy hasn't had to be uncomfortable at all today. And like, he doesn't know how to handle his blow up holes right now. I had them on two. I'm sorry. I had it on one. I had it on seven. I had it on four. And like, it was just a matter of grinding and finding the way to, to kind of spur it out. And I, 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 I wish he was on the call because I don't want to be painting his round in like too much of a negative light. And I, I think he played stellar golf. And I think we both brought like our BB plus game to the match. And like, I think he did it he did way better than he did the year, the, the, the Friday round before. Um, I think he ended up, if, if we both parred 18, he would have shot, I think an 83 and I would have shot another 80 like I did on Friday. And it would have like, that the match would have settled out right around there, like two up, three up. And uh, we get the 17. I'm up by two. And then Dave ends up catching up to us in this hole. I end up hitting a a three-wood left, just trickling into the trees. Uh, And then uh, Jimmy pumps a a driver right into the trees as well. We both, he punches out. I have to drop and hit a layup short. He then pumps one up by the green. It falls and finds the trees to the right. I hit my layup and I miss to the right in the trees as well. He then has to punch out from the trees to the right. Um, I have a shot, uh, from like the center of the massive trees with an opening. Um, he was like further right of the cart path to have a chip up. I hit with everyone there. I don't know how much people realize it, but I hit the best chip of the day right there for me to three feet off of another hard pan lie onto like over a bunker to stop right by a a flag that was maybe 10 paces onto the green, uh, to have a two footer or like a one and a half footer. And Jimmy just missed the putt to to push the match, or at least to make force me to make the one and a half footer to push the match to eighteen. Ended up winning three and one. Um, all in all, I it was a gritty match that I think Jimmy and I both at the end of the day like thought was a good match and thought we played well in terms of the match uh, of it all. And the only thing I find a little bit annoying is at the very end of it, he would tell myself and other people that like. He lost it. I didn't win it, which is just so annoying to me um, because the mental game is part of this and grinding and grinding out pars and bogeys from bad positions is part of golf. And that's what I take offense to a little bit, but Jimmy's not here to defend himself, but that, that was the only thing that kind of stunk on, on 18 is like kind of being told like, I lost that. You didn't win it kind of thing. Well, and I will, I will say that, um, I can contest on a couple holes that he blew things on that he's putting it all on those couple holes that he blew things on to say, Oh, well I lost it because it was, it was close enough that it came down to a couple holes. Right. So that's where I think that he in his mind feels okay to say that. Um, But that would take away from the fact that you, you know, clawed back from a lot of adversity in that round and that you didn't still play an 80 that round like it for for him to just outright say no i 
I lost that. You didn't win it. I mean, even if he didn't say you didn't win it, I lost it. Like it's implying something pretty heavy there. So I, I can understand. I mean, I've never seen Jimmy more mad ever in my entire life. Um, I mean, I've seen him get mad on the golf course, like very rarely. Um, But I think in his mind, there was more skin in that game than any round of golf he's possibly ever played. So, um, and that was, and I think that comes way more from a pride standpoint. Um, And I, I just think that that conversation at dinner probably sparked it pretty heavily, but I think in his mind, he wanted to just be the better golfer between you and him. And that match was going to determine that. And when that did not go his way, um, I think that that set him off pretty heavily. I mean, he threw multiple clubs, almost hit you with a ball and a club. <laughs> like, he was he was on a tear and in a mindset that I couldn't get him out of. And, and part of, like, the whole reason that I put him and myself together for that day was because I was like, I'm going to vibe heavy with him and I'm going to be able to, like, bring him wherever I need to in a mental aspect. And once it got down to the end of that and it was not going his direction, I couldn't do a damn thing to suck him out of that. So um, it got, it got pretty tough, but what the only thing that I will say is on 18 um, when it didn't matter anymore, he did smoke like the gnarliest drive I've ever seen out of him. Um, And I don't, I'd have to look at the distance on what it was to where it was, but it was possibly like one of the best drives of his life. It was still it had some red but, ass on it, as they say. Yeah, yeah, he was he was upset. But um, all that to say, kid, I think the match was well deserved on your part. Uh, I did think he played a really good round and and did claw back from um, some lucky breaks on his end and and made some really good shots to save some really bad breaks on your end. So I would say it's deserved my man. Well, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. And I think a- after the match and after he obviously had time to cool down and, and, and I had a lot on, on, on the line for him, he came up and he, he, you know, he said it was a great match. He had a good time. And like, it's just part of the, he's never cared that much about a match before. And he, he, he was very gracious in terms of like showing affection after the fact but it, it was it was obviously a, a a passionate round for him and i don't know what more you'd want in a closing anchor match at a ranger cup than two people that care that much about the outcome um a, a bummer i didn't you know determine the ranger cup it would have been sweet if it came down to that i think that would have been an epic epic finish um but you know, I, I feel like I've been talking for a long time after giving Dave a hard time about the first round and Ryan being about as sleepy as I've ever seen him. But uh, I'll, I'll let you guys go around the horn one more time as we conclude the Ranger Cup uh, for podcast and just kind of give your final thoughts uh, on the entire weekend and, and how it turned out. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, Clint, huge shout out to you and the fam for hosting everybody. Um, it was a great time such a great group of dudes um really good cool golf courses and uh had a blast everybody said it but can't wait for the next one it's always the best time yeah i share ryan sentiments um it's always the best time and uh 
yeah can't wait for the next one i want to keep winning some matches you know hey i feel like it's obligated for me to say that dave has a seven and one record in the ranger cup he's extremely proud of he has the highest point differential in ranger cup stats while having not even been to the first ranger cup where other people have gotten some of their bonus points and uh yeah that is uh you know no nothing to sneeze at and an impressive feat and uh you know hats off to dave for being uh arguably right now potentially the best uh ranger cupper i i guess to a degree um the dude is hard, dangerous. To, hard, hard to say for sure but dave would probably try to stamp that approval uh, that that title on himself maybe we got we don't have enough time for any of that <laughs> I am uh I yeah um I'm just super stoked to you know have the group that we do and be a be a part of what we got I mean it's a it's a fun special thing that um that we put together here and I mean I'd I'm just stoked to be a part of it, man. It's fun to fun to make this stuff happen. It's it's fun to to get out there and 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 you know battle out with the homies and we we have been able to manage to keep a pretty good crew together. Um, we got a you know couple people here and there that have weaseled their way in that that you know might not be invited back, but that's few and far between, man. I mean, we've had just a stellar crew and it's been fun as shit. Like I I. I absolutely love every single bit of it. Um, wouldn't change a damn thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, just like everybody, I'm, I'm amped for the next. Um, looks like we might be able to make our way back to ATX uh, or or at least the surrounding area. Hopefully uh, shooting for uh, October. Get this one fired back a lot quicker than the, than the last ones have been. So, um, oh, Oh, just get a gander, boys. See this right here? I know nobody else can see it, but uh, got this little butte hanging with me for the next little bit, you know? Um, Stuck to to have the old old cup at the crib right now. Um, May just make that my only beer drinking glass until now in the next Ranger Cup. I don't even know. I don't know. Seems right. But uh but yeah, no, just stoked, 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 and stoked. Well, congratulations to you, Clint, and your team and your squad. Uh, you know, huge performances from both Dave and Mitch with three and records, as well as Jimmy's strong performance uh both days and a two and one record. Um, you know, you, your guys showed up, they they came out and they performed, and uh a huge shout out to assembling a stout team and, and getting the job done. It, it feels fitting that each Ranger cup captain has at least one cup to their name. And uh, we're excited to see what happens for Ranger cup five. Hell yeah, boys. Anyone who's still listening, thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace.